0: Yo, 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 what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Six Stroke Podcast. I am your host, Dave Rookie. I know it has been quite a while since the last episode. I basically hit 10 episodes and then was like, "Mm, you know, maybe take a break, (laughs) even though I take ridiculous breaks in between episodes uh, just due to either lack of motivation, not sure who to get on the podcast, um, it was kind of a cocktail of different reasons. Um, but, uh, also I think I had enough of a valid reason, uh, to take a break. Uh, the band, uh, has been getting quite busy lately, um, with things starting to come back, including shows and something I've been dying to talk about on this podcast for quite a while. And I meant to talk about this sooner. So I apologize. So here I am making up for all of it. Um, if you missed it, If you don't follow me on social media, like Instagram and Facebook, uh, occasionally Twitter, we finally announced our debut full-length record, Collapse by Design. Uh, out October 22nd on Sharptone Records. It's crazy to think about, um, the last year and a half plus, uh, waiting, like dying, waiting to get this fucking album announced and out to you guys. It's been one of the most painstaking processes of my entire life, but every second has been worth it, uh, getting up to this moment. Uh, we announced, uh, prior to that, we, we released a single entitled Tyrant, which is kind of like uh, an unintentional love song to Meshuga, in a sense. Um, and then we released a music video for uh, pretty much the lead single from the record, entitled To Wither Away which I'm very proud of that song, and I'm very glad uh, to see that people are enjoying it, um, being that it's probably one of the more straightforward songs on the record. Um, and the music video for it, I'm super proud of. It was done by Chris Klump, uh, with help of Christian Lawrence and Kayla O'Donnell, who did the costume des- costume design and the acting portion for The Goddess of Decay in the video. Very excited for how that all came about. And by the time this episode comes out, you'll be hearing a fourth single entitled Albatross. Uh, Very, very, very excited to have that one finally out to you guys. Um, That one probably is the most representative of the band and the new direction that we have kind of leaned towards. It's not like it's drastically different from anything we've put out in the past, but it just really represents what we do and who we are as a band, touching on some of the heaviest parts we've ever released with uh, some of the more... Are one of our most like favorite uh, melodic sections, and then with some uh, Viljarda-inspired riffs with some incredibly produced ambience and uh, production skills by Randy LaBeouf. Uh, really made the song uh, the best it could possibly be, and I'm super proud of it, and I hope you guys are all enjoying it. What else has gone on? We played our first two shows back, uh, supporting Lorna Shore for their EP release run. Uh, With last 10 seconds of life and left to suffer Uh, Fucking incredible shows easily the best shows that we've ever played Uh, Obviously we were opening up for basically two sold-out shows um, You know with with Lorna Shore as the the main name on the marquee, which um, You know also we are going on tour in Just about two weeks from the time. I'm recording this intro um, with Lorna Shore Enterprise Earth and Crown Magnetar. It's going to be a heavy-ass package uh, Of bands. I am so excited that this is our first tour back. Not only do we get to go out with With our buddies in Lorna Shore and we're so excited to celebrate the release of their their new EP even further Uh, They deserve all the success in the world and and I'm so grateful that they uh, invited us along for the ride It's it's gonna be amazing so get your tickets now. If you haven't, um, they're on SoundRink.com. Um, I'm pretty sure just search, uh, Lauren Ashore and you will find the tickets. So get them because shows out, I can finally say this because shows are selling out. It is unbelievable, man. The, the, the fucking appreciation and the, the, the love for live music is like, I've never seen it before. It's the the fucking energy at those two shows alone were just electric, man. And I, I can't wait to get to basically play like three weeks worth of shows just like that. It's, it's going to be stellar. So get your tickets now. And speaking of Lorna Shore, my guest for this episode is none other than guitar player of Lorna Shore, Adam D'Amico. Out of all the guests that I've had on this show, for the most part, I think Adam was one who I really hadn't talked much to, uh, prior to this episode or really got to know too well. Uh, so I was really excited to dive into this one with him and get to know him a little bit better, uh, especially before going on tour together. So, uh, it was nice to get our feet wet and, you know, really just have that conversation and break that barrier. Um, and it was honestly like one of, uh, my favorite episodes. I, th- I think that there's a-, a lot to gain from, uh, the the stuff that that he had talked about and and the stuff that we talked about together, um, his approach on songwriting and how he he views uh, like songwriting overall, and uh, we kind of even take a, a a trip back to his beginnings of how he first uh, you know kind of got introduced to music, uh, heavy music, and uh, how he started playing guitar, which was a funny story. Um, and then we you know obviously talking about his joining of Lorna Shore and you know how his songwriting has evolved and how he's viewed his songwriting uh, throughout his time in Lorna Shore and has really uh, basically grounded himself into the metal scene as uh, like easily one of the best songwriters of today um, not his words mine, but you know i uh, I think a lot of people out there would would agree and uh, we dive into um. Their new EP and I Return to Nothingness, which is phenomenal. If you guys haven't listened to it yet, I'd be really surprised. So if you haven't, go check it out now. It is killing it. It out in the first week, twelve million streams, probably plus viral on multiple uh, Spotify charts. It's amazing to see, uh, you know, homies uh, from the same state and the same scene that we played shows with, like you know, close to almost 10 years ago, uh, reaching this level of success. And it's so fucking cool to be sitting here talking and, you know, getting to go on tour and experience shows together again. Um, but yeah, anyway, enough chit-chat. Here is The Six-Stroke Podcast with Adam D'Amico of Lorna Shore. Also, one more small side note, I apologize. At some point during the interview, my mic cable, I guess, got disconnected from the mic uh, where... It started to sound like I was just talking in an open room, and the audio was still there, but it was extremely quiet, and it did not sound like the same sound quality. So thank you to Aaron Shaparian, who masters this podcast, for, you know, beefing up the volume up enough to where it's audible. I didn't feel like cutting it out completely, or else it would have made this weird, awkward cut in the conversation that would have kind of screwed the whole flow up. So thanks to Aaron for helping me out there. Anyway, let's get into the show. All right, Adam D'Amico, string gauges. Why are (laughs) they so important and Uh, what can you say about them?
1: uh, (laughs) They're the least important thing. Um, uh, That's that's a question I probably answer at least once a day. Um, I don't know why we make a big deal out of string gauges, but whatever. Um, It's a 12 to 60 on my six string and a 10 to 68 on my seven string. So please stop asking me, even though I'm going to answer it again awesome topic over (laughs) yes that's the rest so uh no more fucking string gauge questions for adam seriously yeah how you doing man life treating you good life is interesting it feels like a fever dream but it's been good that's all i can say about that
0: that's what's up man it's all it's so fucking awesome seeing you guys like at the point you're at right now like i mean we talked like quite a bit before this but like it it just is so sick to see you guys like at this point um you know like resurging like busting out this new ep and like hitting new points and like, you know, getting to the, to the place that like you pretty much had always hoped for. And it's, it's crazy to see, man, especially like a band that like we played local shows with like numerous times.
1: Yeah, it definitely is super, super crazy. Um, I don't know how to handle it right now, <laughs> to be completely honest. I'm very much just like, this is all weird. And like, I think, um, after we played those shows, uh, with the EP release, like it just felt very weird. I think like every day, uh, after it, we are like myself and Andrew was like, this just feels weird. Like, I don't know what to do. I don't know doing my hands. Like, I'm just like, this is all like crazy. Cause it's like what you wanted, but like, I don't really know how to handle it. Cause like, usually the band's always like fighting its way out of the trenches. So like for it, it to be going as well as it's, it's going, it's like, um, shocked to say the least. So like, it's exciting. I'm very grateful. It's just kind of hard to handle it all at once. Cause I don't know what to expect. And, um, I couldn't have expected any of this to happen while it's happening, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely very grateful for it, but uh, yeah, it's definitely been crazy to say the least. It's been surreal, and it, again, it still feels like a dream. I'm just like, this doesn't seem real.
0: It's yeah, it, it really is like like especially seeing those crowds at like the the release shows. It was, I don't know, like just to like muddle over the the same like. <laughs> it, it's crazy. It's wild, but you know, you guys, you know, have busted your ass for years, and like it, it's great to see like like the the term like uh. Like just hard work paying off. Like it essentially is paying off in such a grand scheme, I guess.
1: Yeah, no, these shows have been nuts. Um thankfully I was like on in ears so I can't hear anything. <laughs> so like I so it was just the weirdest thing playing live and like can't hearing the crowd can't hear the crowd's response or uh anything like that. So I'm I'm just like I don't know how people feel about us right now until like I would watch videos or like people would show me things. I'm like, oh on stage all I can hear is like click guitar and like the stuff I have in my ears. And I have no idea what people think about us right yeah, now. Like, they could be literally telling us to be- the fucking uh, hand up and then just hearing nothing. <laughs> literally was what, exactly what it was. I was just like, I hear nothing. And I'm just like, this is so strange. But it was awesome to see the crowds. It was awesome to see like the response. Um, visually, I mean, I didn't all, I didn't hear it, but I visually it was like, this is kind of wild that this, these shows are packed and people are interested in the band because again, it's weird to see the band in that light because we are never- we're seen um, at this capacity. So it's, it's a whole new world for us.
0: Yeah. And before like all, all this, you know, the new success of the band came, you know, there's a young Adam and I'm sure there's a lot of people <laughs> out there who were like curious about your beginnings and stuff like that. It's something I'm always curious about. Cause even though, yes, like we're both musicians, like we, we have a love for music, but every musician's story is kind of different on how they like were at least introduced to music or got to the point where they're at. So Tell me about a young Adam. Like, what was your oh, introduction to music? I'm my, curious. My
1: story about how I played an instrument is honestly the lamest out of them all. But, like, I'm, I am I I joke about it a lot more now. Um, but so I think growing up, not I think. Growing up, I was never really into music. I was always, like, into sports. Like, I played soccer my whole life. Um, I got into music, I think, like, like, got into, like, heavier music, um, or, like, you know, whatever type of music we play, not, like, really metal, but, like, you know, underground music, um, maybe around, like, 16, and then, um... I never really like wanted to play an instrument. I was like, okay, this is cool. Like, this is cool. I feel like I have this like rebellious edge to me. It's like I'm listening to bands that scream. So like, obviously, I feel like I'm like edgy as fuck. But like, I really wasn't. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I was listening to, like My Chemical Romance and stuff like that. Oh and yeah, then, same. <laughs> yeah. So I was like thinking I was edgy as hell when I really wasn't. Like Fuse TV bands. Yeah, essentially. yeah, yeah. Like, and then you know, obviously, getting into like you know more like metalcore bands like Killswitch and like as I Lay Dying, August Burns Red, like all that sort of stuff. Um, and like that threshold for like music increase as i got into heavier music then like i started finding heavier music and, and and everything else like that but then once i got like i wanted to play an instrument because like oh my god this story is so terrible <laughs> but i'm gonna tell it anyway um so there was a girl that I, met, I i i knew and we like kind of like liked each other and then that kind of fizzled out and then uh i reconnected with her like maybe like uh, about a year later and she was like already interested in like a dude that was in a band. And I was like, well, this doesn't make sense. Like my math brain was like, this equation doesn't make sense. I was like, <laughs> we were into each other and now we're not, but she's into a dude that's in a band. So like the thing that I'm missing is I need to be in a band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Like a very simple equation of just like my math brain being like, this doesn't add up. So I was like, okay, like I want to be in a band. Like maybe I should be a vocalist. And like, and I remember I, I tried writing my first song, like lyrically. And like, I remember I sent it to her and she was like, what is this? And I was like, <laughs> I'm deleting this, I'm never saying. I'm not like showing anyone anything I write ever again, so I was like okay, can't sing, can't write lyrics, maybe being a vocalist isn't for me, but like I probably want to be the vocalist because like at least people like pay attention to me, but I can't do it, so then I was like all right, I knew guitar was out of the out of the equation, because I was like listening to like bands that have guitar solos, and I was like yeah no, this is not possible, but then I was like I can air drum stuff, and I was like maybe I can like play drums, and uh that didn't happen either, because uh the first time I tried jamming with someone, they had a kit at their house, and um, I had another friend who uh, who had, like, um, like a bunch of, like, who played drums. Like, he was, like, in marching band, so he was actually, like, you know, the person in the town, everyone knew that, like, played drums. So he's like, oh, I can let you borrow, like, my snare, like, my double pedal. I was like, amazing. And then, like, he set everything up on the kit and just got on the kit and just started just ripping it. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to go play this now. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, drums are now out of the equation because I just got embarrassed in, front of, my, in yeah. front of all my friends, like, jamming in this basement. So, like... And then uh, one of the guys that was jamming there, he was just like, do you want to, like, play guitar? And I was like, well, I definitely can. He's like, I can show you how to play, like, drop-tune, like, bar chords. And I was like, okay. And then, like, I literally just, like, played guitar and uh, bought my first guitar at, like, 18. And uh, from there, it became, like, a... I don't know, just, like, a unhealthy to slash healthy obsession with the instrument. And uh, now we're here. So it all started with a girl that I was trying to get to like me so shout out to you hopefully you're living a good life and (laughs) having a family and whatnot (laughs) that's crazy yes it wasn't a cool story (laughs) hey man i mean it got you playing man yeah like yeah especially at a
0: a later age too i mean like most people i guess who were like i mean i I see it's like every every now and then like pretty often like where i'm talking to someone like damn how long have you been playing like five years and they're like on a, a tour and like in a way higher position than, like, I've ever pictured myself. I'm like, holy shit, I'm like, how? And they're like, oh, you know, rock band. Like, Steven Sanchez from uh, Last oh, 10. Oh, right. yeah, yeah, I was like, dude, you got started on rock band, like, now you're ripping in, like, deathcore bands. Like, it's incredible.
1: Yeah, it's definitely crazy. It's, But, yeah, I was, like, thinking about it, like, not too long ago. I think I was, like, talking to my friend Dan about it, and I was like, because he knew the girl, and I was like, yeah, like, I think the reason why I play guitar is, like, because of her. And he's like, no way. And I, I like, thought about all the events, and I was like, no, that's exactly what happened. Like, the, the, <laughs> the idea that inspired me to be in a band was because of that. Like, not so much guitar, because, like, guitar was, like, an afterthought. But just the idea of the inception of, like, I want to be in a band was because of that. And I think guitar was just, like, the last option. like I, I always wanted to play guitar. But I was, like, I remember listening to Unearth like, The Oncoming Storm. And I would hear, like, the solo to uh, Zombie Autopilot Off. And I was like, there's no way in hell I'm playing this. So I'm just going to give up. And then I remember I tried playing someone else's guitar and i like knew about tabs but i was reading tabs upside down to a green day song and i was like i came to play american idiot i can never play guitar (laughs) (laughs) so i was like there's no way in hell i can play guitar i was like how and i was just reading the tabs like literally upside down so i was like okay so i guess guitar is not for me so i always wanted to be the thing but then i was like just looking at all the other things like this seems like more appropriate because like i'm not musically inclined like i played sports my whole life mm-hmm. and then uh yeah but then once i kind of got guitar and i found interest in it and then like finding more bands and then starting getting better at it and like taking it more seriously i was like okay cool like guitar definitely makes the most sense because like all the other instruments don't really seem to like entertain me or interest me as much as like guitar does but yeah that's my long not as cool story
0: <laughs> but like, what was the the thing that got you from i guess thinking like oh this is impossible i'll never be able to do it like to actually playing and and like you know taking it more seriously like did you like take lessons or was it just like something you were like no i'm gonna fucking do this and i'm gonna like get to this point
1: that's a good question when did i start taking it seriously i think it was i i think i had no i had like nothing else to do right i think it was during a time where like i was just in school and like i didn't have any friends so all i did was just sit in my room and play halo 3 and play guitar so i was just like like bought a bunch of like guitar dvds like paul gilbert and and and, and was like youtube was a thing so like i was watching like some of those guitar dvds like john Petrucci's um rock discipline was was out on on youtube and a bunch of other guitar players so i was just like watching that for a while which like kind of got me to be like okay i'm, I'm getting better at guitar and then i'll go to guitar center and like i would play a little bit and someone's like oh like actually you're pretty good i was like oh cool like i have someone reinforcing this thing because like i was just playing by myself in a room so i have no perspective whatsoever on like am i good or not and then when people were saying hey you're, you're like you're pretty good i was like oh i did, had no idea and then i started taking lessons and then that just like forced me to get better because like i had structure and like here you got to practice this and he, you know, even if it was like stuff I didn't want to practice it was, it was the idea of like sitting down every day and working at this thing. Yeah. Just like the, the basic foundation of, I think, practice. And that's something that I teach all the time. It's just having a consistency and like a goal and, and whatever it may be, but like having that sort of guidance to, you know, have goals and have like rigidity and like practice every day and make sure you hit these sort of things, or this is your homework to do for the week and whatever, like really, and i starting to see how I got better at that, like really forced me to just want to continue doing that and from that point I just kept taking lessons with all these different teachers because then like people teaching on Skype was a thing so I started being able to take lessons with all the different people across the world not just like taking lessons with someone that's like you know in your area or whatnot so then that just like kind of I just had this like, he- like unhealthy obsession with just like wanting to be better and better and better and better and better so that just kind of how I think I grew to uh, with the instrument was just um, playing more often and having a teacher and then just like quite frankly having nothing else better to do <laughs> yeah.
0: so it's just like fine taking that free time essentially and just like yeah. investing all of it into just pretty much crafting yeah yourself. and then
1: once i started in- getting like enjoyment out of that like when i started hanging out with people i was like i don't really want to go out tonight i think i'm just gonna stay inside and like play guitar mm-hmm. or like i want to get better at this thing or or i just had such a drive to like want to be in a band that I, and at that point in time i wasn't in bands i was like well let me just get better because then when I would try out for bands, like I wasn't good enough mm. uh, or I didn't have enough, I didn't have, I didn't have like um, the best gear. So people were like, were like just turning me down or whatever. So I was like, okay, like simple math brain again, get better at guitar, get better gear, join a band. So that's like, that's like my, my eye was on the prize. I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going out because I want to buy a Mesa cab because no one's let me in their band because I don't have a Mesa cab. <laughs> <laughs> I need to get a 6505 because like I don't have one and, and that's what I think I need. So it was just like, okay, do I want to, buy like gear with my paychecks or do i want to go out and like you know spend money on like stupid stuff that i don't really need so it was just more so like my eye was on the prize of just like get good enough to be in a band adam and like that was like what my focus was on like during that period of time
0: nice do you remember what your first guitar was
1: yeah so i'm so on my 18th birthday i bought a prs santana so it was like a 300 guitar um it was on sale and I bought it with my first paycheck, well, not my first paycheck, I bought it with the paycheck when I worked at ShopRite, um, when I was doing stock there, so, shout out to that. <laughs> 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 I literally got my paycheck and it was, like, literally on my birthday and I went there and, and, uh, I bought it and, uh, I still have it, um, I think it's missing a bunch of strings and I think the pickup is, like, collapsing in, in, in the, the body of the guitar, so whatever, but, uh, yeah, I bought it, the guy, at Guitar center was like not letting me leave without buying a case. And I was like, I can't afford a case. I literally came here with this paycheck and I spent it all here. And he's like, you're really just going to leave here without a case. And I was like, I can't afford a case, my friend. Like I literally, only, <laughs> I like literally can't, he's like, you're really just buy this guitar and leave it out case. I'm like, yes. And I just went home with a guitar in the back of my car and that was the first guitar I owned. And then, uh, I think maybe about like a year later on black Friday, I bought a Gibson SG because I saw the dudes in the Devil Wars Prada were playing it, so I figured, well, I'm not in a band. They're in a band. They play this guitar. Maybe I should get this guitar. I knew nothing about anything. And that's how, I guess, gear endorsements work, is kids who don't know anything see a guitar player or a musician they like playing a certain gear. They just go out and go, I need to buy that gear. So that's, Mm -hmm. you know, I fell into that trap. That's why I have a 6505, a Mesa cab, and a a Gibson SG (laughs) just from bands that I was like watching that was like oh in their video they had these things so I need these things you know of course it's like the world of influence exactly oh if if
0: he's playing that and he rips then if I get that maybe I'll rip yeah exactly and
1: and I think that's what led me to getting an Ibanez guitar because I was like watching a bunch of good guitar players play ibanez i'm like well i want to be a good, good guitar player so i need to play an ibanez guitar and here i am <laughs> yeah.
0: so that famous it was a rgd is that is that what it was that's what or, that's or what i that? and that
1: was an rg rgd i have my 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 one that everyone knows about is my rgt that i got RGT, like on, okay. yeah, i got on ebay like 10 years ago which was already a 10 year old guitar then so wow <laughs> yeah so it's definitely uh yeah and i got that because i saw like um a job for a cowboy like guitar dvd thing and i was like that looks sick
0: it is sick. I love that. It's, it's simplistic, but it's just, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I just thought I was like, oh, well, this guy's in like a, a, a death metal, deathcore band. Like He plays his guitar, so it's obviously good enough for him, so it's probably good enough for me. And then got it on eBay and didn't know how eBay bids worked and probably overpaid for it, but that's fine. You live and you learn. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, you got your money's worth out of it. I definitely got my money's worth out of it. Like I definitely <laughs> have used and abused that thing. I'm trying to retire it, but uh, still can't.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's that special like first like thing you just can't seem to get rid of. I mean somehow I was able to get past that point where I'm just like ah, I don't take up space, but like there's always that like pain of like getting rid of the first thing.
1: I very rarely sell gear. I think the only piece of gear I ever sold, I sold, I actually sold my sixty five hundred five head because I needed money because we we're going to Europe for the first time, and I got my Kemper, and it felt really weird to just like post on like the internet that I'm selling a piece of gear. Cause I'm like, this is so strange and I'm getting all these like random messages and like, no one's helping me out at all. Like everyone's just like, just wasting my time. And then, um, I end up selling it. It was just really weird to like sell it. Cause I wish I didn't like to this day, I wish I still had that head. Yeah. So it just made me just think that I don't want to sell any of my gear.
0: Don't you love when you, you try to sell your gear, you try to get like an opinion on a specific thing you're looking for
1: and everyone gives you no, you should get this instead. Oh, always, every single time. I I post all the time asking for recommendations, and I get literally everything the thing that I want. I tell myself every time I'm like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna ask for this. I'm just gonna say I'm selling this, or
0: or like, you know, please buy this. Give me money for it. I will bring it to you. Like, there's always that that thing in my head where I'm like, all right, like, well, give me some recommendations. Like, I want this sound with this, and then they're they're. I'm telling them, like, I'm trying to keep it in the minor symbols line. And then they're like, oh, dude, you should try this instead. I'm like, no, I'm being very specific. Yeah, so, um, like, even if I do post something about that, I'm like, don't give me other recommendations. And people think I'm being an asshole. I'm just like, no, I know what
1: I want, but I just need the right push. That literally happened to me I think, about a month ago is that, like, my overdrive pedal went. And I asked for recommendations. And I was like, specifically said, I already have this other one. So can you mention me something else? Like half of those messages was like, why don't you check out this one? I was like, I literally said I have this already and I don't like it. Like not even like, oh, I haven't tried it. I was like, literally said, I have this thing. I don't really like it. I am looking for something that's like similar to this thing. I I spelled it out really like clearly and still people were like, oh, why don't you check out this? I'm like, did you read my post like at all? Or did you want to just let me know that you know this thing? I don't really know what your your end game is. But yeah, relying on the internet for feedback is... You got it, You kind of get what you asked for. Like asking the internet for advice on musical gear is very rarely like a good thing. So that's why I try to ask people like in bands that play it to be like yeah. what your thoughts on it. Mm-hmm. And I know it's going to be biased and skewed, but I'm just like, do you like it? Do you not like it? What do you like about it? Because they can give you a better perspective than someone who's like been like, well, I watched this YouTube video of this guy using it. And it's like, well, that doesn't really help me too much because I could have yeah. found that too. Yeah, but like where's your experience in that? Exactly. How do you feel about this? Because anyone can skew a youtube video to make it seem like this product's really really good because that's the point of the video you're not gonna you're not gonna put a video out being like this is how terrible this product is you're just gonna literally put out try to find the best way to explain how this thing is a good thing so yeah asking the internet asking the audience for advice on gear is always the worst and uh selling gear since i only had like one experience of it was awful i probably won't sell it ever again i'm yeah. just i'm just hold on to things i don't care might as well it's, it's much less of a headache just
0: having extra shit laying around than yeah. than asking anyone for advice on on gear like to align with your interests and your goals out of that gear pretty much
1: or if i'm going to sell something i'm just going to ask austin to do it because yeah. austin sells things and buys things on the web like all the time. So I will just be like, can you sell this for me? I'll give you some money. I don't want to deal with this anymore. Yeah, And, and that thing, I think that's what I'm going to do for now. And if I ever want to sell like I'm really like pressed on selling something, I'm just going to ask him to do it because he lives on like Facebook marketplace, like almost too much. So I will have him deal with that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I have the, the ability to deal with like people's like really bad like facebook messages or like emails or instagram messages or whatever it is i just don't want it. i just want someone to be like i want this thing here's money it's really simple and that's how i sold my head it was like really simple it was like someone's like i have x amount of dollars i can come pick it up tomorrow and i'm like cool it is literally yours i am not dealing with this anymore
0: yeah the flood of messages and i can't fucking keep i up have with to like
1: that. still delete messages from that time like four years ago because i was like going through like every time i go through like my my message requests on like facebook or a messenger or whatever like i'll see the same post i'm like are you kidding me i still have messages from like th- <laughs> like four years ago that i still haven't deleted and i'm like wow okay so never mess- doing this again this
0: message is messages from 200 weeks ago you're like straight up yeah fuck?
1: literally i saw it the other saw it like i think i think about a month ago i was like why is there still things that i'm finding here i mean obviously i'm going through the archives but i was like let's see if there's anything in here and i just see the same thing i'm like jesus
0: yeah it's too much to deal with yep so you get your better gear you're like <laughs> i want to be in a band how do you kind of like venture into i mean like what's uh like how how did you kind of venture into deathcore and, and then find, like lorna shore specifically because you said like you you joined them and they were already a band
1: yes yeah, so how i came into lorna shore specifically was that so when i finally got my gear right i got my mesa cab my 6505 i didn't have an ibanez i had a Carvin at that point in time but mm-hmm. i had some gear i had some gear that looked like i played guitar in a band so I got, I got the look or right. the gear. <laughs> um, and then I remember this was back in the MySpace days. And back in the MySpace days, when local bands were looking for people, they would always have like in brackets in their name, needs blank, like yeah, needs guitar right. player, needs vocalist, or you'd see you, you'd see that. And like, so I came across a band called Antarctica, which was a band that me and Tom were in uh, before Lorna Shore. And they had a thing which said, Antarctica needs guitars. Because I found out like about these bands because I would see all, all these other local bands. And they all lived like in the kind of Bridgewater area, like that whole area down like 22, if you're familiar with New Jersey. But like that whole area um, was a bunch of bands that, you know, like The Air I Breathe, uh, Then Fall Caesar, uh, all these bands like live in that like area. But like, obviously I didn't know any of them personally. But so I just kind of like just use MySpace to its advantage because everyone had like their top friends. And I would be like, okay, cool. Like these bands all exist. Um, Lorna Shore was, was, was I guess, one of them at that point in time. But anyway, so I I hit up the band uh which was antarctica and i was just like yo i don't even I didn't think he even said anything i said need guitar player question mark i literally said two words <laughs> <laughs> like caveman that's... they very much very much cave i didn't know how to talk to people like i spent my time playing guitar in a room by myself i didn't really communicate with other musicians and yeah. every time i would try to like meet people like to be in their band like i would go and jam with them and then they would just like ghost me so like whatever <laughs> um <laughs> But then, so then Tom was like, oh, like, come, come hang out, like, come, come jam or whatever. And I was like, all right, cool. Like, and I saw that they were, like, playing some shows. And I was like, all right, cool. Like, I'll be able to, like, you know, hopefully I can get in this band so I can start start playing some shows. So I went over to their drummer, Kenny's house. We jammed. And, you know, that was like, I played a couple shows with them. Like, fast forward, like, a couple months later, the band, like, dismantled. Tom ended up going to join Lorna Shrek, a similar situation. They were, like, needing a vocalist. So then Tom ran into, I think, Gary at the mall and was just like hey we need a vocalist then tom joined and i was still like friendly with tom and and whatnot and uh i was like jamming with some kids i needed a vocalist and he was like you know kind of helping us out like do vocals on top of stuff and whatnot and then uh eventually i hit up tom and i was like yeah i'm just like tired of just like playing just music in a basement like i want to play shows and he was like well funny thing is like we're looking to get rid of our guitar player because like he can't like go on tour He's like missing shows, like, and we want someone reliable, and, and I'm like, yeah, like all I want to do is like play shows be in a band and whatever, so he's like, cool, like come join you know, come like jam with us, and like I didn't like their music at that point in time, like it wasn't for me, but I was like, it beats playing music in a basement, yeah, I want to play shows, I want to go out on tour, and like they were starting to do that. they started like play out of state, they were playing like in Pennsylvania and like new york and 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 like out of New Jersey like this is cool like they're being a legitimate band, they were like getting like Some sort of like label interests and whatnot. Like nothing crazy, but like the fact that there was like people like even talking to me about it, I'm like, okay, they're in a better position than like me playing in a basement. And then I joined and uh, eventually like uh, they let me write all the music. Well, they needed me to write the music because the guy they kicked out was the guy that wrote all the music. So they're like, all right, well now you got to write all of our songs. And I was like, well, what do you guys want to sound like? And they're like, we have no idea. And I'm like, well, this is fucking great. Yeah. Did, <laughs> and did you have any, like, songwriting no. experience? <laughs> I had, like, I wrote five songs before that. Like, Fuck. Like, Bone Kingdom was probably, like, my sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth song I ever wrote. Like, that that EP was, like, probably, like, some of my, like, earliest songs I ever wrote. Because I only wrote, like, a couple songs in the basement with those other kids I was jamming with. Like, those were my first real songs I ever wrote. And I had no experience. Like, I wrote a handful of songs before that. So, like, <sighs> yeah and they were just like just write our music and i was like okay which is why like every time i hear it it's so cringy because i'm like this is so awful like i didn't know anything about anything it's like
0: your first works you know? yeah it's like, terrible like,
1: it, it's it's one of
0: those things like i can't like every now and then like my fucking parents will like play like on like their old ipod they had from like 10 years ago like cl- like songs from my old like first like rock band really like, when i was like in high school and they're like man miss those times and i'm like can you stop <laughs> like this is
1: painful to hear yeah it's it's really bad and and like Oh, God, the idea of thinking about Bone Kingdom was just so rough. But, uh, yeah, that was, like, my first experience with it. And then as I got more experience with writing after doing that EP, then, like, and the hard part about writing that EP was that, like, no one knew what they wanted to do, but everyone knew what they didn't want to do. And what everyone didn't want to do was what someone else wanted to do. Oh, so no, so it was, like, five people on two different pages, like, or on all different pages. Like, I think only me and Tom were on the same page. We wanted to do just more, like... Black Dahlia, like White Chapel, like Deathcore, you know, kind of melodic death metal like inspired stuff, but like everyone else in the band didn't really want to do that. So it's just like, okay, like no one really wants to do the same thing. And I remember when I would like show them some riffs that I was writing, they're like, This is like too metal for us. Like I remember I remember writing the intro to Godmaker for like the Bone Kingdom EP and they were like laughing at me. They're like, This sounds they're like making fun of me. They're like, This sounds like Count Choculus Castle. <laughs>
0: What the fuck? And
1: I was like, are you serious? They're, I was like, this is like, I was like so pumped about this. They're like, they're like mocking me. They're like, this is like, like, like literally making fun of me. I was like, all right, like <laughs> we don't have to use it. It's fine. Like, you don't need to like, dr- you don't need to, like drag about. me. But like, yeah, yeah, I remember, I remember having like some of those riffs that were on Malphysium, and they were like, just like, no, this is, this is not cool. And there's like, this is too metal. And I was like, so the moment that like people left the band after Bone Kingdom, I was like, I am now no longer like sacrificing my creativity to please somebody else Mm -hmm. so which is why like I'm super proud of the Malfissium EP because I was just like this is what I want to do like obviously not proud of it anymore but I was proud of myself at that point in time because I was like this is what I want to do is what I want the band to sound like I wanted to be like a very extremely metal inspired you know deathcore band like and uh yeah I was like not willing to like take any sort of like compromise on it because I was like I got compromised and I got like stonewalled every single step of the way every time I'd write something like oh well I can't play this type of drum beat over it or or this is too dark or this needs to be happier and this needs to be less heavy and I was like man I just keep getting like just like bombarded with like things you can't do that like Malfiium was like a lot of things that I'm that I want to do so I was like super excited to have that experience but uh yeah I remember yeah. getting made fun of for a lot of riffs that <laughs> made the EP. Yeah, it was just a lot of criticism without the constructive element. Oh, there was no constructive element. It was like, like I say this nowadays. I'm like, if you don't like something, give me a reason why. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't just say I don't like a part because I don't like a part. Like, it's fa- you can dislike a part, but you have to let me know like why you don't like a part. If you're like, I don't like it because it has A, B, or C, or or it's too much like you know, whatever, 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 like, cool, I can work with that. But if you're just like, I just don't like it because I just don't like it. Or like the vibe is off. It's like, don't say that. Like, that's useless. Like yeah. I need something to be able to be like, what can I work with? Is it like, because of the fact that the riff is too straight? Is it not straight enough? Is it too like out there? Is like the drums, n- like n- not making sense with this riff? Like w- it d- do vocals not make sense with this? Like, give me a reason of why you don't like this and then I can work with it. But if you're giving me nothing other than like the vibe of the part doesn't make any sense. Like that is useless in my opinion. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And like, obviously like then you go on and and you do Maleficium and like, sure enough, that that boosts you guys like into like the start of like, you know, what is now like a musical career. And, you know, like, what was it, I guess? um, What was it like in those times, like being this band that was like playing locally, kind of doing some DIY tours to get and like thrown into it, like just based off of like the reception to Maleficium, like at least from your perspective?
1: Oh, it was nuts. Very, very similar to how we feel right now. It was just, like, kind of crazy to be, like, we finally are able to put out this EP, and then now, like, a band like Carnifex is, like, Betraying the martyrs can't make it into the country. You guys got to hop on in a week. And it's, like, what? Like, like tour starts in literally a week. You have to leave in, like, a couple of days to go drive out to California. Holy shit. So we literally were just, like, all right, cool. Pack up everything, get into the van. We had to, like, leave in, like, a couple of days.
0: Wasn't that, like, a two-month tour, too?
1: That was about, like close to five weeks the we did a two-month tour with carnifex in 2017 when we released flesh coffin but yeah yeah. that first tour was like okay this is going to be a legitimate tour because everything we did before that was like at most maybe 10 days maybe like a week 10 days like nothing crazy and you're also like playing shows that like no one's at so there's no like not pressed on anything Mm -hmm. you're playing your first time in new hampshire there's one person there to go in and be like i'm playing san diego at soma and there's 400 people there. And it's like, what do I do? I haven't even played in front of 400 people before, you know, like we were playing, you know, you've been there, Berkeley, you know, these VFW shows. Yeah. And there's like maybe a hundred people and it's packed at a hundred people in a VFW or like a, you know, a Legion hall or something like that. But we weren't playing in front of like massive crowds. And it just like happened out of nowhere. Cause like prior to playing on that Carnifex tour, it was like. we're playing vfws for like 100 people which felt nuts to let alone to be like this is a legitimate there's a stage there's a sound guy yeah (laughs) my cab is being mic'd right now yeah we're not doing our own levels (laughs) yeah Yeah. and it's funny because
0: like when you're in that that mindset of like yeah we're just playing vfws and shit like that and you see it packed out and you don't anticipate things are gonna pop off for your band or whatever you're kind of thinking like man this is the best it's gonna get or like man this is it doesn't get better than this and then sure enough you know you get
1: you get that chance and things switch. Yeah. Cause like th- exactly what you're saying. I was like, even like playing the VFW shows, I was like, yeah, this is like the best that the band's gotten so far. Like, this is amazing. We're like playing shows. People are coming out to them. Like, this is sick. Like, this is amazing. Cause like at the, before that, like we were not getting any shows cause like we were quote unquote blacklisted from the area cause promoters didn't like us. So we couldn't even play local shows. So yeah, there was a period of time where Lorna Short could not play a show in New Jersey at all. Any be- reason Why? I, I still don't even know I think people just didn't like certain people in the band or, or whatever it may be it was like some BS it was like some stupid BS reason but yeah we couldn't even play any Jersey shows so for like a good year we only were able to play out of state and we were playing next to nobody and until like Malfissum came out when everyone changed their tune and then I was mm-hmm. like okay this is sick all these shows are like you know packed or this VFW is packed or this little like small hall is packed and like that that felt amazing to let alone play in like a legitimate venue like there was a stage and you know there's sound check <laughs> and there's all that stuff but yeah that was definitely a, a crazy like change of events and it feels very so much like right now cuz like things have changed dramatically in such a short period of time and like i don't know how to handle it <laughs> yeah and i'm i'm sure like you know like
0: after maleficium like you know then comes the label attention and and all the stuff and there's the hype for a new release and you know, you can go in as deep into this as you want, or as little as you want. You know, you go into the studio and you prepare for for psalms, <laughs> and because uh, I'm always curious about like your perspective, like, and I'm sure you talked about it to death, like, because you know, like there there was like the the big hype and like not saying like.
1: I don't. I hope it doesn't come off as like, and you didn't deliver. Oh, we didn't deliver. That's, no, a thousand percent didn't deliver. I'll, t- I'll take. I'll take full credit for t- full for that we did not deliver. Like,
0: what was that like process? Like, at least like you know, like going like, did you guys write like before like in the studio, or did you like do it all in like kind of in the studio like writing? Because you you did it with Putney, correct?
1: We did it at Putney Studio. I don't. Want, I wouldn't say we did it with Putney. Okay. <laughs> um... So that was just kind of a disaster. I think it's just like ignorance as a as a new band. I think the 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 greatest thing I got from Psalms was just a bunch of learning uh, experiences, like a bunch of lessons yeah. um, of like how to operate and 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 being prepared and and everything to do regarding a whole entire release from like beginning to even like to the end of it to like preparing for a release, then finishing recording to like artwork and everything else around it, like. Just having that experience of just like falling flat on your face every single step of the way, I think was a great experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, it was just it was a, it was just nothing but a lear- learning curve for us. Like we wrote 10 songs. Um, we were thinking that we were going to like work on them with a producer in the studio like that didn't happen. So like the, the way we wrote them is the way they came out. And we wrote them in Guitar Pro, so we had no... So the first time hearing these songs was with, like, real instruments in the studio, so you're like, oh, wow, I did not know, like, that was gonna be the case.
0: And, like, performing them, too. Yeah. I'm sure, like, you're setting a new bar for yourself, and you're like, I have to fucking write the craziest shit ever. Exactly,
1: and I was, like, very, like, overwhelmed. I was like, I didn't know what to do, and I was, like, trying to do too much, and I was also writing with an ego perspective. I was like, I want people to know that I'm a good guitar player, so I was being very, like, over the top with what I was doing, but it wasn't sounding good, but it, like, looked complicated, So a lot of those riffs are super complicated for the sake of being complicated from, like, an insecurity as a guitar player. Not writing with the sense of, like, does this sound cool? But it's more so, like, will people think I'm a good guitar player? Yeah. So that's, like, where my my, my come from was. um, And, uh, yeah, it was just, like, I didn't really know what I wanted the record to be like. I didn't know. I didn't have a vision. I didn't have have a purpose. I didn't have, like, a sort of... um, I don't know, like an an aim or a target or whatnot. It was very much just like, I just want people to know that we are a good band. So let me just write a bunch of complicated parts to be like, look what I can do. And like writing from that perspective, I think it could work, but it just didn't work for us. And I just think we weren't really prepared. I don't think we were like, I just didn't think we knew what we wanted to do. And uh, yeah, I think we just fell flat on our face, which is, I think it's good because I think that's why Flesh Coffin came out the way that it did because we had all those experiences of just like you fell flat on your face across the board so what can you do so you don't fall flat in your face so i think that's just a big the big takeaway i got from psalms but yeah it was awful like everything about it was just awful like <laughs> does it sound like when i hear those songs I'm like they sound bad the songs are just like cringy like there's parts in it that i'm like oh this is a cool riff but like that's really about it and like i don't know i'm sure and then people tell me all the time like oh i love that record like why do you shit on it it's just like because i just do like, it's, it's a bunch of negative experiences. Like, we had never been in the studio for that long. Like, we've always, like, done stuff where it's, like, been, like, a week or two weeks or, you know, you kind of go back and forth to the studio. Like, to be in the studio for literally an entire month was, like, we never did that. And, like, yeah. we were obviously going home every single day, so that was exhausting. And there were, like, 12, 14-hour days, and then you just drive home to wake up and just drive back to the studio. Like, it becomes very taxing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. so it's, like, none of it was really good. <laughs> it was It was a really, really good learning experience, though.
0: Yeah, and I feel like... It's kind of, at least in like the metal genre, like I, I noticed that like it's common for a lot of like the the composers or like you know who have the hand in the songwriting. It's like when you gear up to do something new or you have something new out, it's it's not very common to look back on previous material like in I guess a positive way, or, c- or it's because you're like pushing towards like the next thing and like the next goal, where it's just like, no, that's that was me then, and this is nothing like what I am now. So like I I can relate to that in in a way for sure. Like I don't do any of the songwriting in in my band. Obviously I I don't know a fucking chord to save my life. <laughs> but like even just my first uh experience of like writing drums with with Sentinels, like joining and doing the the World Divide EP, like they they like hadn't done anything since the EP prior and like their drummer beforehand, like he would write ridiculous parts and, you know, could perform them or like play fast enough mm. to do it or whatever. So it's like, I knew what kind of bar they had when like they were bringing me in. I'm like, okay, I gotta, I gotta blow their minds a little bit. So I was like programming stuff that just sounded best for that I thought sounded best for the song. But when it came for me executing it, it was a shit show.
1: Yeah, it was very much a very similar perspective that I had. Um, yeah, it, it, it took me to like being in the back of the van on a tour and just like listening to a rec listening to psalms with like a notebook and like a pen and being like just criticizing my own work just mm-hmm. like putting your ego to the side because like i i had this sort of like why are not people liking this like everyone's wrong and i'm like well let me just like look at it from a different angle and mm-hmm. i started just criticizing my entire work just like almost too critical to the point where like it just gave me a whole new perspective on like okay these are things that are good these are things that like weren't executed properly And then I started taking more lessons again because I'm always just like, okay, if something's not going right, like find someone, find a teacher is usually what I always do. So I was like taking lessons with people, like working on song structure stuff. I was looking at other bands. I'm like, why is there why do I enjoy these songs and like trying to like analyze that stuff? So I just really like just became very analytical after that release um, and figured out what I was doing personally, what wasn't working, what was working, what I can do in the future. Like, what are things that I want to do? What are things that other artists do that I like that I want to do? So. I think having that whole perspective going into Flesh Coffin, I think, is a big reason of why that record to me is like a, a good record, and a big staple um, of the band's catalog, or it's a big, it just holds like a special place in, in, in my heart because the fact that like, I felt like that's when I kind of like had a maturity about myself of being like, put your ego to the side, stop being, or be less insecure. You know, because I think Psalms is very much just an insecurity record of just kind of similar what you're saying, just like be over the top as much as possible, like...
0: Yeah, just blow people's minds. Exactly,
1: and like, it and it wasn't in a good way, you know what I'm saying? Like, And we still blow, blow people's minds from what people tell me, but like, I'm not writing from that perspective anymore. I'm not yeah. writing from this perspective of like, look what I can do, I'm just writing from like, what I want to hear and what I want to do. Um, you know, on, especially on my instrument, like on, on guitar, like I'm always trying to push myself to like new levels and like, how can I go about doing this? But it's never... It's never doing it from an angle of, like, I want other people to know that I'm a good guitar player. It's always coming from an angle of, like, what, do, what does Adam want to say?
0: Yeah, and clearly, you know, it's, like, evident that, like, taking that new approach has, like, you know, made, like, your your music, like, reach new heights and, and like, the, the band in general, like, like, reaching new heights and whatnot. So, so like, is, is that kind of, like, where the, the shift was, like, when going into, like, Flesh Coffin and...
1: Yeah, I think that was just, like, my, yeah, for sure, was definitely, like, I didn't know at that point in time, but I think as I, like, dissected myself moving forward, it was, it was, like, okay, this is what I was doing differently, and I think more so now, it's always, it's just coming from an authentic place. With each record, I'm always, like, be myself, and I, I think I didn't really start diving into being myself until we worked with Josh, because he was just very much just, like, be you, like, um... And that and and that just really kind of like got me thinking. Okay, like what is me? You know, a very deep philosophical thing. Like who is who is Adam? You know, like what what is what does that entail? And then uh, I think that wasn't until I think um, well doing the the two songs we first did with Josh, which is This Is Hell and Darkest Spawn, was when I uh, really started to like dig deeper into that because like his approach as a producer is different than like Carson and Grant. Like um, with Flesh Coffin, we 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 went in with these songs very prepared because we saw how unprepared Psalms was. So like. With Flesh Coffin, like me and Austin demoed out every single part. Like that was the most prepared we've ever been going into a record was um, that and then the um, the EP was the most prepared we ever, uh, the EP being uh, the one that just came out the, and I never turned to nothingness. Uh, that was the most prepared we ever were. But like Flesh Coffin, we had everything figured out, every single part, every drum part, every guitar lead, every idea, m- maybe minus vocals, but like everything was like went over with a fine tooth and comb. So all we basically had to do was just track it um, because we learned how like Psalms, we never like, Listen to our work we just like finished a song was like okay cool song's done and and didn't think anything of it but uh yeah I think going into Flesh Coffin it was like me doing a lot of like independent growth and then uh it was also helpful that like Carson and Grant were just very much letting us do what we wanted to do and didn't really like kind of get in our way um and it was just really like relieving because we were dealing with producers before who were kind of kind of shitting on our ideas and they were just very much just like cool like let's this is good let's do this and i was like sick so it was like really nice to like you have a vision for an album and then like no one's really stopping you from that vision so it was like really nice to have that because i felt in the past we were just like dealing with people that were like kind of criticizing i mean as they're supposed to but like not in a sense to like bring out our vision but it was more so just like diminishing our ideas
0: yeah more so to kind of make room for their
1: yeah and like and then their ideas were like awful like someone wanted to put like a two-step in our song, and I was like, this is awful. This is a really bad idea. You're like, have you ever... Have you heard our band? band? No, yeah. Do, do or, a two-step. Or, like, or, or our uh, someone was like, I don't really like metal. I'm like, why are you producing this band? Yeah. Literally, literally, we showed them a demo, and they were like, I don't listen to metal. I don't even like it. And I was like, why am I here? Yeah. I just gave I just gave you a bunch of money, and you, the first thing you say is, I don't really like metal. I don't really listen to it. I'm like... I, and he said, I don't even know what your band sounds like. And I was like, oh, man, you are terrible. Yeah, Dude,
0: we had a manager who didn't know, like, what we sounded like or, like, when he when he would compare us. He's like, you guys are, like, in a case to you, Strain. And I was like, what? <laughs> have, have you listened to anything? <laughs> I was like, you have the masters. Like, what, are you not listening? Like, you like you like what, uh, especially, like, when it comes to a producer who is the one, like, helping you craft a sound for uh, a record or at least, like, trying to make it the best it can be. Like, like what were the steps, I guess, leading up to, to picking Josh? Because, like, you know, you went from you know, graphic nature and then you went to Carson and Grant and then to finding Josh. Like, what was it about Josh that you were like, all right, let's give this guy a try?
1: So when, when, um, when we had the idea of doing two singles, one thing that we were thinking of is let's let, like what people do, like in between albums is like they try out a different producer. Mm-hmm. So we already knew working with Carson and Grant is great. And we already know that. And like, let's just try another producer. If this doesn't work, we know we can go back to them. And cause like we loved working with them. Everything about them was like super great. And I, and like, it was the easiest we've ever recorded, but I was like, let's just try something else out. Let's see what else is out there. And I had a couple of conversations with a couple of people. We, we, we tried doing two songs with a, another producer to the point where I was like, this is not it. And I like had to, I like got up and left. Um, yeah. And I left the studio and I was like, yeah, this is not it. Um, just didn't work uh, with me and the producer. He just, just had his head in the clouds and way far up his ass. So hopefully you hear this if you are listening to this. <laughs> i don't really give a fuck um (laughs) (laughs) um, yeah so he had his head up his ass and like had a bunch of like rules and restrictions on like what you can do and i was like this is not what i want to do like you're just missing you're just missing me you know yeah and um i had like a bunch of conversations with josh and like i'd be on the phone with him for like three hours just talking about music and everything i was like this dude's sick this dude just like having a conversation with me about music he's like, all over the place, I'm very all over the place, we were talking about, like, video games, to, like, movies, to, like, music, to whatever, and, like, I was, like, oh, this guy's, like, super awesome, and I haven't even recorded a single note with him, but we were just, like, kind of just, like, feeling each other out, and like, I was, like, seeing what his approach is to, like, music, and then, like, before we even record anything, I would be, like, having, like, anxiety about, like, writing these two songs, and he was just, like, really calming me down, he's, like, no, no, it's all good, like, we'll figure it out, it's not a big deal, like, whatever, 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 like, who cares, you know, like, you'll, 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 just do what you normally do. Maybe if you can't write anything right now, maybe now's not the right time. Like maybe you, you work best in this situation. Like he was, instead of being like anxious about it, he was definitely like calming me down. Yeah. So I was like, okay, this guy's like super sick. I'm not like really worried about it. And then when we work with him, when we did This Is Hell and Darker Spawn, I was like, oh, this guy's like awesome. Like he like gets me, he gets the band. He has like ideas that make sense. Like he's challenging me like, He's also not trying to like step on the vision cause he's also asking like, what do you guys want to do with these songs? What's the purpose of it? What's the strength of the song? What's not the strength of the song? Like what's the strength of the other song? So like the fact that he was asking these questions and like really caring about like the end result was like, okay, cool. This guy obviously cares about everybody and, and doesn't approach them the same way he would approach anybody else. And then I don't, I, w- I don't think it was until we actually did the other eight songs on Immortal where I really got Josh cause we were with him for a month. And like, he was really just diving deeper into that. Cause when we did the, the two singles with him was like five days. So you didn't really, we just had to like get in and get out. Oh shit. But when we did, uh, when we did Immortal, like we were there for an entire month and you know, his just approach of being like, this is how you are. Like you're a very like neurotic, aggressive, energetic, anxious, frustrated person. Like put that into your music, like bring that out. Like don't diminish it. Don't the rules and regulations are like, they don't mean anything. And like the idea that like these producers say, Oh, you need to have a three and a half minute long song. Like, that's it's bs it doesn't mean anything and like these he was just kind of really shitting on a lot of these unwritten rules that producers have that like he's like this doesn't make any sense and i was like thank god i think i'm around someone who's not like just like getting high on their own supply and just like abiding by these arbitrary rules that don't fit us and he was just like yeah you guys want to write a seven minute long song that sounds like the super bowl cool let's write a seven (laughs) minute long song that sounds like the super bowl i.e the song immortal like that's literally the purpose of the song we when we first started working on that song. It was the first day. Uh, was, that day was like um, the Super Bowl was on. So me and Austin went to Buffalo Wild Wings and we watched the Super Bowl. And I was like, "Yo, these like NFL like scores sound amazing. Like, what if we write like it just like, kind of sounds like Demi Borgir, but like super epic?" And then we like went to the studio the next day, being like, "We should like write a song like this." And he's like, "All right, so we're going to write like a Super Bowl." Metal song and I'm like, yeah, sure, that sounds amazing. That's fucking. <laughs> <And sick. laughs> so then, like, literally, Immortal came. Like, that's the song that was Immortal was like the. So he's like, you have a vision for it. It's it's a Super Bowl themed <laughs> song. It's like just have a have an epic, long, seven minute long song. Like, there's no rules there. Like, if we shorten that song to be three and a half minutes, I don't think that song would have done as well. And we follow these like arbitrary rules that are being set upon us for whatever reason that makes no sense. Yeah, is it's kind of stupid. And the fact that he's like abandoning all that, it's like he's like there is no rules here. I'm like, thank God because like the way I approach writing music is like there is no rules like do whatever you want like no one's putting a gun to my head saying i'm gonna take all of your assets take all of your money i'm gonna you're we're, I'm gonna take all of everyone around you in your life if you don't abide by these sort of things if that was the case then yes of course i would, I would approach it differently but no one is doing that so yeah. why do i have to abide by this thing that what do i can fit radio lorna shore is never going to be on the radio or like mainstream radio like we're a death metal band like, exactly what, what the fuck are you talking about exactly and then like and in, and with hellfire coming out in this entire ep where like everyone it's like you know doing great numbers it's like we wrote a six and a half minute long song like there's three breakdowns in the song there's Mm -hmm. a guitar solo there's no singing like all these rules that were being like put on us oh oh, right this long or or don't have this many parts or you need to have some sort of singing part like this like that would have never worked and we just didn't abide by any of these rules that some people were telling us we need to abide by and like it's doing really really well because we're just organically being ourselves so the fact that like someone is like no be you like be yourself write what you want to write it's just awesome because like he does challenge us more than anyone else does but like he's also very much just like i want you to be happy with your end result it's not about me being happy it's about you being happy it's Like i will fight for parts that i think are good but like i also want you to be happy with the end result
0: jesus dude i mean Personally, we've only worked with, like, one, like, producer, like, in, in our time of working with producers. But, like, from what I hear from other bands and stuff, because, like, I, I've listened to a lot of, uh, like, interviews when it comes to, uh, you know, discussing, like, producers or, or whatever it may be. Like, but it seems like such a rare thing to have a producer that cares just as much about your vision as their own. Like, and, and like, sort of find that and, and one who's just like, fuck all rules is, yeah. like, such a a blessing
1: it's very much his thing. It's like, I don't, I don't care for the rules. Like I don't need the rules. Like there's, you can look at the rules and be like, okay, what can I do with this? Or what can I learn from it? But like, just to blindly follow this like playbook, like just kind of stamps on creativity. I think Yeah. it just kind of feels like you're just kind of plugging in numbers and you're just doing this thing because like you're supposed to, and it's like, this doesn't feel like me, you yeah. know? And, and I think that's, I don't know. That's, it's just nice to have someone that, like, kind of believes in your vision the same way you do and, like, gets your vision and, and I think just gets your vision because he gets you as people. Like, he gets us individually as members. He gets Austin. He gets Andrew. He gets Will. Like, he he has social awareness and, and, and understands people. Because I think when you're in the world of producing, like, I think if you don't understand the musicians in your room and all you do is understand your outboard gear and plugins and whatnot, it's like you are missing the whole boat. You're yeah. missing everything. You're like, oh, okay, cool. Like, I know how... This 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 works. And I know how this mic works on this snare. It's like, yes, that's very valuable and very technical to know But if you don't have any sort of social awareness on how musicians work, you're gonna be missing everything Yeah, and 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 uh, I think he has more of that than he cares about like gear and stuff like that And they obviously he has gear in it and, and it helps him achieve his sound, but he's like I don't like it just it's a means to an end but like understanding people is I think in the production world is way more pivotal in my opinion at least from my standpoint, like what I look for is like a producer that understands who we are as people, because who we are as people is how our music comes about anyway. Like we put, I think musicians put themselves as a person on in their art. So like you want to have a vessel who is also on board with that not like, okay, well I got to put a, this mic on this snare because like, that's what I have to. And it's like, yeah, it probably works every single time. But like, why are we, why are you doing it? Yeah. You know? And like, you know, like what, why are you doing? What are you doing? Like, if you don't understand that and you're just doing, following these rules blindly, it just seems like, I don't know. And if you're not taking the time to like understand the musician that you're recording right now and understand who they are, especially the person that's writing the songs, it's like, what? Like, yeah. or, or not understanding, okay, why are you writing this lyric in the song? What's the song about? Why is this important to you? Oh, I'm just saying it because like people got to like it. It's just like, that's stupid. Yeah. That's just like disingenuous. And like, I don't want to write music just because like to pander to an audience
0: you know just to get a certain reaction out of yeah it, no it's like no you want it to you want there to be a reason for everything like in your music mm-hmm. and you want it to deliver a certain way like like I, I was kind of uh, I don't want to say like like I, I was given but it, I was like I was basically essentially like tasked with the opportunity of like writing all the lyrics and vocals for our record because mm-hmm. we were in transitioning vocalists as well and so like when I had that opportunity I was like okay I'm finally going to tackle this element that has never really been prevalent in sentinels which is the lyrical and vocal thing like not to say that they didn't you know Mm -hmm. put in their effort but or anything like that but it just never seemed like something uh that people resonated with like in our music or they they never i guess were able to i don't know i i I think people always kind of saw us like as you know just like a musically driven like which is obviously the important basis of any band mm-hmm. but I noticed that I was like huh like people really don't seem to engage with us or see us as a band where like lyrics or vocals are important and I've always been a fan of like good lyrics and vocals so like that was something I, I tapped on it and like but I did kind of question myself along I was like does this have importance here I was like does this match the vibe of the song and like so like that was like pro- this was probably the first time that I ever approached an album like, with a mindset like that where I was like why am I doing this like does this match and like we will just have will feel fulfilled at the, at the end of it all
1: yeah i think it's important because i i'm very similar to to you in the sense more recently that like lyrics and vocals like tell a story and they kind of like they have to in my opinion like make sense with the vibe of the song um, but I've always listened to music first. So, like, there's songs I listen to where, like, lyrics are god-awful. And, like, the song slaps. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, like, the lyrics are, like, trash. And I'm like, but the song is, like, musically is, like, cool. And it has, like, an emotive vibe, it And, like, vocals are just, like, a, a background layer to it. But as I got, like, more into listening to songs lyrically, I started being, like, okay. It, it tells more of a picture. So, like, having these two in sync, like, having music being really sick and having lyrics make sense with the music and everything kind of coinciding it, uh, and being on the same page is really pivotal and I think the EP is a good explanation of that and like I think when Will was like writing songs for it he had so many different song lyrics and and whatnot and he was like yeah these songs just had this sort of like vibe to it, and I want to write about this stuff I'm like well that makes sense yeah. like And it's also, it was also organic to him. It wasn't like, oh, I need to write these sort of ways. Like, I kind of want to write about this. I'm like, well, that makes sense with what we're kind of writing about anyway. So like, yeah, like, why not? You know, like, and and so I think when I like listen to the EP, to me, it feels like the full package of like where everyone is on the same page, where like lyrically he's writing about stuff that like we want to talk about. It makes sense with the vibe of the song. The songs all kind of work with each other. Um, So yeah, I think having lyrics having a purpose not just like saying things because they're like shock value or like people are to latch on to them and like whatever like I think it's to me way more impactful as a creator to to be like this is what I feel organically and people are resonating with it it just to me seems to be I don't know I enjoy that more it's like this is something I want to do and like also the audience wants to hear this as well like that's cool like if I'm just doing something because like the audience wants to hear it I just feel like I'm not being myself and if I'm not being myself why do this in the first place?
0: oh my god yo 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 there you go okay.
1: oh my god well
0: i hope that caught it so i'll say it again <laughs> but yeah i mean the and i've returned to nothing ep like with will's writing and you know matching like the the music like where you're really kind of going through and and analyzing every moment and being like why is this happening here like why does this song uh or like we're gonna put breakdowns in this song for for this reason or we're going to you know this one's going to be the long epic like it just really all ties together well like will's writing fits you guys like perfectly for this one and you know like now having like the lyrics that like match the vibe of the song where i did notice on immortal like with some of uh cj's writing where i was just like ah, this, does this quite fit and i, I kind of remember like having some conversations with austin about it like where he wasn't feeling that part of it too much like and like now like hearing it all kind of be this cohesive package like it really has solidified that you guys are like a tight solid unit and like whatever comes next is going to be just that much
1: more that much better yeah i mean i, I hope so <laughs> yeah. but i think uh it just it just seems that like the whole band is involved in the process now mm-hmm. where i think the way we did the ep and like the way we do stuff now it's like um we're all invested in it mm-hmm. so it's like we just have discussions and conversations about it of like, what do we want to do? What do we want to say? Like, we had a writing session with Josh about like a month and a half ago um, for like a week to start like writing the album. Um, and we were just kind of just sitting in a room being like, what do we want to talk about? Like, musically, what do we want to talk about lyrically? Like, what is stuff that we want to say? Like, what are emotions that we want to convey on these songs? Like, what it like? And, and having everyone on the same page is like, I think super important. People don't talk a lot about it, but I think having everyone wanting to accomplish the same thing makes writing a record that much easier because when you have conf- like I notice as the years have gone on we're, we're becoming less and less conflicting like when I think back to like Bone Kingdom where like everyone had a completely different page and as we move forward to like Malphysium to like Psalms to Flesh Calvin to Immortal like it just seems like we're getting more and more c- cohesive and on the same page and, and I realized like how much more impactful it is and I think it just makes more sense you mm-hmm. know um, and it was just really cool to see josh work with will on lyrics and i was in the room as well and like working with like placement and being like okay like what do you want to say at this part this part's the course of the song like this should be like the main thing of the song like yeah. you know and like will had lyrics right now just like all different like lyrics it wasn't like written in like an organized fashion it was just more so here's a bunch of ideas i have and i was like well this to me feels like this could be the chorus of the song and he's like yeah like that makes sense that song's about this this makes the most sense so it was like really cool to see like him and Josh worked together. I was involved in the process and like working on like phrasing and, and working on like, okay, maybe change this or maybe save this line for later on. Or maybe this is a really impactful line. Let's move it to over here. Or maybe it should be in the course or whatever. And like having everyone involved in the process to kind of get their points be heard and everyone's in agreement it with it was like really cool. I'm excited to continue doing that for, for the, uh, the full length because... Um, it just, everyone just worked well with each other. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, who's to say when we get in a room for like a month, what's going to happen? But for right now it, it worked out really, really well. And everyone was really excited about it. And like, I think because we have open communication within the band, and I think we approach it in a way that's healthy and not like useless criticism, it feels like we can get our points heard. Um, you know, me and Austin, we just like butt heads a bunch. And we've just learned how to communicate on like what we want for the song, or what we want for a part. And, I think over years of doing that and learning how to communicate with each other, like helps bringing other people on board and like being able to communicate like criticism that actually works and actually is just like, okay, you can do something with this. Or like, maybe this doesn't fit the vibe of the song, or maybe we can find a better place for this or whatever it may be, or maybe we can adjust it to make more sense of it. Like, I don't know, just having open communication and like having everyone on the same page is so helpful and and I'm just noticing it with this ep because i feel like it's the first time the entire band was actively present and on the same page and and i don't think it's a coincidence that like it's doing as well as it's doing because it's just a good representation of who we are as people not like it's just sort of like chaotic approach you know
0: yeah for sure and i mean is this like a direction you guys are going to venture into more like uh like musically and
1: uh i guess like maybe theme wise for like the full length like yeah i mean i think like it's just so crazy because like i don't even know what we're doing musically that's not what we've already been doing <laughs> um but it just because it's like everything we do on the ep we've done before yeah not and not to say it was
0: it's not like drastically different like right. it sounds like a it's a constantly maturing continuation of what you guys have built and, and uh grown i think on flesh coffin
1: yeah it, it, it and that's what i kind of keep saying i said immortal is basically flesh coffin 2.0 and everyone's like i don't see it i'm like well because you don't understand it, and that's fine because like i understand it from a creative point of like where i'm drawing ideas and inspiration from flesh coffin and, and like the ep i'm drawing inspiration from immortal and like moving forward i'm just like drawing inspiration from the ep and that stuff like that i'm like okay like what has worked in the past like let's continue doing it what what kind of fell fell short maybe we need to like develop it or evolve it or like find a better place for it and like what do we want to add to the table and i think as you get more experience as songwriters you have a better vision for it, and and the way that I kind of metaphorically describe it is like you know those like ancient like Greek statues, like the one they have like no arms.
0: I think so. Yeah. Yeah,
1: like those like you you kind of see them sometimes like in, obviously obviously in museums, but you sometimes see them like outside of like restaurants and whatnot, or like and I think when I when I remember, I remember when I was in college and I and I took an art history class, like the you would see the evolution of like these sculptors of like you know the it wasn't really as refined and then as the years have gone on they got more and more defined i just kind of feel like a band is very much like that like flesh coffin is this like sculpture of this like woman with like no arms and like the face is kind of not defined but then like immortal like things start becoming more defined and then the ep things start becoming more and more defined i think you're just kind of like chipping away and refining that more and more versus like every single time you're not just getting a blank slate and just starting all over again, just more so just kind of defining what you've already created and just making it so much more visible to someone versus like someone seeing it for the first time being like, oh yeah, that like kind of looks like a face. Now it's more so like, okay, I can see every single outline of the person's like face and the entire figure of the body. Um, it just seems like that it, it just we're constantly chipping away and refining this already existing statue to be so much more visible and defined rather than like, starting a new sculpture every single time.
0: That's a very like, <laughs> refined and like interesting way of looking at it and like never thought of it that way before. Yeah, yeah.
1: I think, I, well, I, I just like, explain to my students all the time. I'm like, this is kind of like the way I'm doing it. Like, I'm not like, because I, I used to think about it being like, okay, every album's a blank canvas, but then if you're, if you're doing the same thing you're doing before and it feels just more defined, then it just feels like you're just kind of picking up where you last left off, which I feel like as songwriters you are, you're just kind of picking up where you last left off. It's still the same story. Um, it's just a continuation on like, you know, Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings are still the same story, but there's multiple books and movies where you're continuing telling the same story or the, you know, there's more story being added to it. And it just feels like an album or songs or whatever in the band's discography is like very much that. Yeah. Like the characters in those bodies of work are growing and they're developing and and stuff like that. You know, you started with Harry, Harry being a young little boy to, I don't know. I don't really watch Harry Potter, but (laughs) what he becomes too, obviously as an adult, you know, and like, and, and and seeing that it's kind of just like, I think as bands and as you write songs, it just becomes that. And your discography is like you growing up as an adult and becoming more and more mature. And um, that's just kind of how I like to see it versus like looking at it from any other different way just makes to be, makes it be way more complicated than just like, you're just growing up, you're being more mature. You know how to, like say these things better i mean think about the words we used as kids we had a very limited vocabulary and as an adult you have a way better way of communicating things i feel like we're just kind of doing the same thing musically
0: yeah i mean fuck (laughs) could have said it better myself jesus (laughs) So this was something I, I was curious about asking and more so in a humorous way. So I hope this doesn't come off as a serious it's question. It's fine. So I remember when we were hanging out at, at uh, Austin's the one day. And I, I remember hearing you say uh, prior where you're like, I don't care much for vocalists. And oh, I, I don't. I, I, I literally don't. Yes. And so what was your first reaction when you guys were in the studio and you heard Will bust out his part into the hellfire? Where you're like something needs to go here. What are we gonna do? And Will's like, okay, yeah. So like, <laughs> not making fun of it. It's fucking sick. It's incredible. Like I just, I'm curious to know like your standpoint. Out where you like, what is the meaning of this? Or you're like, hey, this is your time to shine.
1: Oh, It was very much like his time to shine. And like, because when I wrote, when we like wrote that whole end part of the song, I was like, okay, cool. Like there's a ring out for guitar, and it's just meant to be like vocals, right? And then midway through it's more of a ring out meant to be for vocals like you know a big vocal lyric hook or whatever you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so like i left the space specifically for vocals because like i I, as much as i don't care for vocalists because like vocalists seem to me like i don't know uh (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) i think some vocalists are just like i think vocalists just get too much credit and i think the people in the band don't get enough um but maybe i'm biased but uh yeah. So, so my approach was like, cool. Like I know, I, I know how vocals work. I know what people want to hear and listen to like a band like ours. Like you want to have the vocal hook, you want to have the space for it. Cause like when you play like a heavy part, like, you know, a breakdown, like in hellfire, I know my purpose is it's not about me at all. Like it's about vocals. And, and I, so I know when I could take myself out of the spotlight, you know, and I, and I learned as we, as we write songs, like, okay, is this, more of a drum carrying thing is this more of a vocal carrying thing is this more of a guitar carrying thing or what, what what's carrying the show and I know a part like that it's like it's very driven by vocals so it's just like I can check myself out and and, and play caveman parts it's fine like yeah. I, I I can I know when it's appropriate for me to, to to turn myself on I know it's appropriate for me to like turn myself off so I think when he actually was doing that idea I was like making myself food and then I came come back and he's like trying this stuff out and I was like okay, I mean, I meant, like, vocal, like, lyrics, but, like, this this is fine. Like, because I guess, because it, it fits the part. The part's, like, really nasty and disgusting, and, like, Josh pulled up. He found, like, a, a GIF or Jif or however you describe it he found a, a, a little video of a guy like at a baseball game like throwing up on himself and he's <laughs> like Will you need to make it more like this oh, and, and like, it, like he had this thing just cause like in the vocal room there is a TV that he can like see it as well and it's just a giant video of this guy just like at a baseball game just like throwing up on himself he's <laughs> like, you, you, it's like it's not puke enough and I was like yeah honestly it's not puke enough Will you gotta make it more pukier. and he's like more and I was like has to be more if you're gonna if you're gonna step into it like I believe if we're doing anything musically if you're gonna commit to something, Like wholeheartedly commit to it and like put your all into it. Like, yeah. If I go to a pool, I don't put my one foot in and go, oh yeah, I was in the pool today. No, you weren't. (laughs) (laughs) No, you weren't. Like, if I go to the pool, I my I I submerge myself into it. You know, if I go to the beach, I am going completely in the water. You know, I'm not gonna be Mm -hmm. like, oh yeah, like I had my feet in the sand and I was just kind of hanging out. Like that's if you do that, by all means. But you know, that's not the way I live. So like, so I if you're gonna commit to something, commit to it and like own it. And if you like want to make these crazy sounds, like I'm all for it. Like. It's, was it my first go-to thing? Probably not, but, like, it's cool that you did it, like, and if you thought of doing it, like, totally, and, like, and it, and it fit the part because, like, it's a heavy, dumb part at the end of the song. Like, why not? Like, it fits the vibe of it. Like, it's, like, when you go to, like, Denny's, right? You know yeah. what you're getting. Uh-huh. You know you know what you're paying for. You, uh-huh. you're, getting, you're getting food for super cheap. It's going to be crappy, but, like, you know that's the environment. You're not going there expecting this, like, high-end, like, Overpriced like brunch on Sunday. <laughs> you're, yeah. like, so, you're not expecting bottomless brunch on a Sunday.
0: No, you're going to a chain diner at like yeah. five in
1: the morning on tour, right? Yep. So you know you know what you're paying for, and like, that's when it's the best when and, you are uh, hungry, and you're appro- and you're and you're approaching it from that level. If you approach it yep. from any other level, expecting like high-end service, best quality food, the orders to be done uh, like appropriate, you're gonna be like severely let down. So if I approach the end of Hellfire in any different way than this is supposed to be this dumb, disgusting, heavy thing, I would be missing the part so I'm like okay this is a dumb disgusting part like why not make a dumb disgusting noise yeah so like I know when it's appropriate like if I'm trying to like say something like super deep and like meaningful like that was now is not the time there's other parts in the song where you can say that now it's a time to be like let's be ridiculous so yeah. that is ridiculous so why not you know so like I know when to like I, I know when it's appropriate to to think about the whole part it's like what is the purpose what's the function of this it's meant to be a ridiculous over-the-top heavy part like so those vocals made sense it's not like i'm like oh dude you guys say something like deep and philosophical here it's like that doesn't call for it yeah. so like this was a time to be like make something ridiculous and it's not what my first go-to thing is, but when I heard it, I was like, well, it kind of fits the vibe of it. You know, it's like, it's Denny's at five o'clock in the morning. Like, you know what you're, <laughs> you know what you're getting. You're getting something nasty for cheap. And like, that's what it is. And like, I yeah. think that that's probably how
0: I'll think of that part from now on. Exactly, it's like, this is the 5 a.m. Denny's part.
1: Exactly. Because like, that's the part that like, you're not expecting Sunday brunch in Asbury. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're not going to Toast no. or Modine's. You're yeah, yeah. going to Denny's. Denny's on tour in the middle of a country attached to a Flying J oh my god <laughs> dude the memories of that Jesus exactly Christ. so like that's what it is and like if i approached it any other different way i would be like this doesn't make any sense but like it makes sense for what the part is like we slower the temp we, we, we lower the tempo twice in the song yeah. we like made it faster because for, for, for the compensation of the slower tempo like we know how ridiculous it is like so why not be ridiculous vocally if i'm being ridiculous drum wise, we're being, being, or Austin's being ridiculous drum wise. I'm being ridiculous guitar wise and playing a dumb pattern. then like, why not now's yeah. the time for it. Now, would it make sense doing that over like an epic chorus? No, but you're not, you know, like you would, you would ru- completely ruin everything, but like it is what it is. Or it's like, it's like being overdressed. Like if you wore a tuxedo, like if you ever watched the office, when Jim wears a tuxedo, Oh yeah. so he, he wears a tuxedo to like make fun of Dwight. And like, it's kind of ridiculous. And it's like, that doesn't make any sense, but like it would make sense wearing a tuxedo to a wedding. And like Will doing those screams is like wearing a Hawaiian shirt to a bar in Florida. It makes sense. It really does. <laughs> it's, it's very fitting. So that's kind of the way I saw it. Adam, anal- analogy to me. Oh, Jesus. honestly, my students Love are it. so familiar with me speaking in metaphors. So it's just like how I communicate because I think it makes the most sense.
0: <laughs> it really does. Jesus. Yeah, I just found it like so funny listening to the first time because my first my first impression was, holy shit, like listening to it because like, I, I saw it like pop up like on my phone like at midnight, the release. And I was like, oh, yeah, today's the day. I was like, new song. So I'm listening. It's like midnight. I'm in my bed, like about to crash. And that part hits. And I'm like fully awake again. And then my second thought was, I wonder what Adam (laughs) thought when first like writing that based off that conversation last time.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, because I think like, I just think it's just funny because, I mean, everyone just like gravitates towards vocals, which is perfectly fine. And I guess maybe I feel a salty type of way because like I put in a lot of effort to like write these songs, As, as, as is Austin, as is Andrew. And I'm just like, man, like. All this credit goes to him and like will deserves i'm not taking any any shine away from him because like he's a phenomenal vocalist i love him he like he's he's so good at what he does he's just everything i can ask for in a vocalist and some so like not diminishing him at all before anyone comes at me you know any sort of way but i just think vocalists like they just get so much extra credit for like just doing their job yeah and i'm just like i do my job and i'm just like seeing that like i have to like do more of my job to be like noticed and i'm just like man you guys are you guys just get, get like all the love. And I'm like, this is BS. Yeah. Cause, cause, Cause if I wrote some BS, you know, hot dog water music, like vocals can't save it.
0: Yeah. And I feel like that's, that's gotta be the hardest part for like musicians in totally. deathcore. Yeah. Where it's just like, it sucks that like, no matter how good of the song, like how perfectly uh, crafted, like the song is, it's like for the most part, some fans are just like, yeah, but listen to that, that gurgle or listen to that that part where I'm like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, like-
1: I mean, and, and it's cool. and I'm glad people like it and I'm glad people gravitate towards it because it is ridiculous. When I heard it, I was like, this is ridiculous. This is funny. Mm-hmm. And like, um, but yeah, I was just like, okay, this is cool. This is fine. But yeah, I just find it like hilarious. But uh, I think there's so many other better vocal performances on the EP that like, I mean, I guess, because everyone has their own preference. Like sometimes people like want to hear just ridiculous noises that vocalists make and that's cool. Like, I guess for me, like it yeah. doesn't really scratch any itch for me but like hearing like emotive like vocals or like (coughs) stuff that's done like that kind of fit the music and the vibe of the part like that i'm writing like emotionally i'm just like oh this is awesome this is a way sick like vocal performance like for instance like the chorus to both of the abyss and the title track i'm like oh man vocally yeah. here it's like sounds phenomenal because it fits the part really really well and like it's way more emotive and it, like kind of really feels more raw and, and emotional and i'm like that to me is way more awesome than just like someone making noise now again making those noises probably takes a lot of talent and a lot of skill i'm like and i'm not yeah. diminishing that at all but for me like what gets me excited is when i hear like someone vocally just being like raw and like themselves and like just saying stuff that they mean and it's just like coinciding with the music. I'm like that to me is like that's an awesome display of vocals. But yeah, vocals get too much credit. It's like feels like a group project and like someone just signs their name and it's like, Oh well we all get we all get the grade and it's like, damn, do you really all get the, get, get the grade? Yeah. And like not to have I guess like that that hipster mindset
0: where like oh my favorite like song vocally isn't the most popular one but like yeah the the chorus of uh and I return to nothingness is by far like I think the like personally my favorite like it's my favorite track on on the EP and and I I love like the it sounds like I I can't really know for sure my ears are kind of shit anyway but like it sounds like will's even doing some pitched vocals and mm-hmm. it might be like the final chorus like when there's the key change yeah and i'm just like holy shit man this might be probably the the most well-crafted and like like finely written song in all of death, Core, death yeah like, i mean, it's
1: gorgeous it, i love it no I, I definitely it's definitely my favorite song of my favorite song as a band we wrote um uh it just like spoke to a moment in my life that i was going through so like i always like get attached to like songs that feel like it's kind of telling a point in time in my life and then when lyrically it kind of like matches that i'm like okay the song was like absolutely like insane mm-hmm. um but yeah i think yeah he does like some crazy stuff uh vocally on it and it sounds super sick i'm like it just kind of fits the part it's just like kind of like eerie and like i don't know uh disgusting in its own way but like it kind of makes sense with the song and it's like it doesn't have this like shock value but it has more of like an art organic like authenticity to them and like as an artist like my biggest value is being authentic and it feels yeah. way more authentic than like a gimmick Yeah, and I agree. what i don't want with the band is like now we have this like gimmick because like yeah, we're, yeah. Not, we're not a, we're not a band that like wear, wears masks or we're not a band that like does this sort of thing like and i don't want like this now sound that will does to be like okay now we have to put in every single song because that just loses its charm and i don't yeah. that's not our gimmick you know our gimmick is well, we don't, I don't know what our gimmick is but like we're just literally a band and it's like yeah that's something that, that's something that we did then and it makes sense but we're not going to do it like every time and like listening to these songs expecting that like you're just missing the whole show yeah
0: and then like if you overdo this this one like thing that got hyped in the past and then, then, then people are gonna like you think people are gonna love it but then they do the 180 thing they're like oh they're just trying to do the same thing over and over again and it's like how do you fucking win yeah, and, you know I, I mean? and I
1: noticed bands do that and I'm just kind of like turned off by it because I'm like then it just takes away from when they did it initially. Yeah. So it's just like, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's just, it just funny though, that whole part was, it was, no one really thought anything of it in the studio though. Like no, like when we wrote it, like it was like, oh this is cool, like it makes sense. No one thought it would become this like, sort of like gimmick thing. And why we didn't think that is like beyond me, but like we also knew that like Hellfire was, to in our opinion, was like the weakest out of the three. Yeah. And we were just like, alright cool, like whatever. You know it makes sense like it, it serves the purpose of the song and whatnot but no one like thought anything of it and even when i showed it to, like some friends i got to hear it they were like oh that's kind of crazy and i was like is it i don't really know is, it doesn't really feel that crazy but all right yeah. if you say if you say so yeah it's probably one of those things because it's like you're in that world mm-hmm. and like
0: you're the one like writing this where you're like i'm used to this like this is my world but like to listeners they're probably like haven't heard something quite like this yet and it's like you did that for for people and like didn't
1: didn't even realize it. It's definitely sick because like there's people that like would be reacting to it or like listening to it or, or whatever and like they're like don't listen are not embedded in that world. So it's just crazy when you're seeing the reaction to it. It's awesome. It's funny. Like especially like people outside the world. So like I'm glad that that brings people into it. So if, like that's the thing that draws you in. Like I'm totally grateful for it. I just think it's just funny cuz like we had no like real like holy shit we struck gold. It was more so like oh, this is cool. It yeah. just makes sense and like that and we just moved on with our day. And uh, you know, and I don't want anyone taken away from this that I'm diminishing Will in the least bit. I'm definitely not. Uh, I just yeah, it just was a part that we didn't really like pay too much mind to other than like let's just be ridiculous in the studio and having a producer like josh be like be ridiculous for sure be be motivated by this guy throwing up on himself at a baseball game like that's just <laughs> like that's, that's that's your motivation it isn't like what are kids gonna say on the internet it's just like sound like make a sound like what this guy's going through throwing up at a baseball game
0: <laughs> yeah for sure and i don't think anyone would take it as you like to no 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 more. no
1: I, I know people i, I hope not because again i i i speak very highly of will and He does a phenomenal job. And again, he's everything that I asked for in a vocalist. And and he's a pleasure to be in a band with. And I love being in a band with him because he's just like, um, he's just a a, a great person to be around and and to work on music with. So I'm not diminishing him the least bit. I just think vocalists get too much credit for what they do. (laughs) I agree, man. And I feel like it even transitions over into like other genres where like
0: this guy like doesn't do uh like like he, he needs to do more or, or do some shit like this and 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 then it's like well they're not that kind of band right where you're just like do you expect like the vocalist to just be insane in, in every single band or like or do the same thing it's like i feel like when people hear that that sort of vocal it's like they want that same sort of you know like versatility or they want that same kind of sound in other bands or they they always expect the vocalist to be like the the shining
1: Yeah, each band,
0: and it bugs me for sure.
1: It definitely does because we're both musicians, so it's just like, damn, what about like so all my work is like chopped liver? Yeah, right. like, Like so, it doesn't matter what I do, and just like you know, so so I know that the whole band like works off of each other, and like one couldn't exist without the other. So like I know that we couldn't exist without vocals, and I know vocals by itself. Nobody would just listen to someone screaming. Oh, never. And I and I remember I remember I, like talked to someone on tour about that. They're like, "Oh, dude, I just like care about vocals." I'm like, "Yeah, do you want to hear just the vocals acapella?" They're like, "What do you mean?" I was like, "Would you just listen to vocals acapella?" They're like, yeah, I probably would. I was like, "You would, you would, you would listen to the song just vocals, no music, like no context of anything. Like you would not fr- be playing it that many times. No. You know, so like it's, I try to give the perspective on it, but again, it does hold value and it does, and it's awesome to have a great vocalist and like someone that is a whole package in my opinion of like lyrically." vocally like versatility so it's like awesome to have that so but yeah i still i still have my gripes with vocalists <laughs> probably always will we're oh, just... always always will always will because then like even nowadays everyone's like oh can are you guys releasing instrumentals i'm like what so you guys can just cover them that, that, you don't want to hear the instrumentals you want to hear it so you can have a raw instrumental so you can just cover it for youtube and i'm glad that people want to do that but like come on that's not I... the end goal of our music someone yet. someone told me that they're like oh i'm so glad you guys are releasing instrumentals to immortal and i was like oh like I appreciate that. They're like, yeah, 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 I've been like wanting like just no vocals, instrumental so I can like cover it. I'm <laughs> like, "Oh, they're like, yeah, people want to hear me do this." And I was like, "Oh, like so I can't even have a moment for like it to be about me and Austin for a second? Like, I can't <laughs> god forbid it's about me and Austin being like, you know, we put our heart and soul into this thing. I had kidney stones and Austin had to deal with his own personal stuff and we had like we wrote this record by the skin of our teeth in the middle of the winter in Michigan, but like it's oh. it's it's about it's about you covering it. That's what it's about, right? Mm-hmm. Not about like us being proud that we were able to like write a record that can be you know uh appreciated instrumentally but it's about you covering vocals i got gotcha. you yeah. so vocalists just cringy always about death uh vocalist <laughs> and death chord <laughs> always it, where
0: it lot always always enough about vocalists so. yes thank you <laughs> back to you <laughs> yes and speaking of guitar you just landed an ibanez endorsement which congratulations that's fucking awesome it's crazy dude so like how did, did they they kind of reach out to you i mean because yes. i know endorsements usually work like a few different ways where it's like you can either apply for it and like when like you feel like the time is right and you go for it but like how did it work out for you?
1: Uh, Yeah, so (laughs) That was probably such a basic question. No, 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 really I'm trying to think about it. So I've tried to reach out to Ibanez like multiple times. I've met uh, people over there a bunch and like things never really like panned out and um, there was like so much going on with like the EP that I didn't really think about guitar stuff. So I was like, oh, yeah, I definitely want to get a new guitar just because, like, I want a new guitar because I just, you know, deserve one, I think. And mm-hmm. then um, Tyler, the, the rep that I deal with at Ibanez, like, emailed me. And uh, ironically enough, Wes How put me in contact with Tyler. And I already spoke to Tyler before. I met him a bunch. Like, he's come out to shows. Nice. And then just, like, things just never, like, the stars never align. And then, like, just because of the impact of the songs he like reached out to me and he's like yeah you've been just like playing the same guitar for like ever and i'm like yeah i mean like I, you know i just i don't want to like play a company that i don't stand behind and like yeah. i've had people reach out to me about like playing their their guitars and i'm like i tried it out and i'm like this is just not for me like my home is with ibanez and i will buy ibanez guitars and you know forever and play ibanez guitars forever cuz it's just like my favorite guitar to play and, and it just feels like home so it's like even if i wasn't an artist like i'd still play it and yeah so he was just like gave me like a deal and i was just like no shit like i thought it was like i literally was at sitting at work and i was like i i just went and sat outside and i was like what the hell is happening right now? I'm like sitting, yeah. it was like raining out. I'm just sitting on this bench outside um, the barbershop I work at. And I was just like, what is going on in the world today? Like, <laughs> are you serious? And I like, like, reread the contract like multiple times. I'm like, is like someone fucking with me right now? Yeah, right. Like, is this like some, am I like getting got? And I was like, and he's like, yeah, like, what guitar do you want? I was like, are you serious right now? <laughs> I was like, are you, be-? like, yeah, just let me know what you want. I was like, you're joking me. And I was like, I don't know what to do. He's like, do you want this or I, not? Yeah, I, I was like, he's like, he's like do, you want, do you want one now or do you want to like get a six string or like a seven string? I was like, you are serious right now? (laughs) like you're going to send me something and then like literally I was like yeah I want this like RGDR and he's like cool I'll see if we have it in stock and he's like oh actually funny enough like we actually have some we can like send it to you like I was like then literally I had a guitar sent to my house a brand new guitar which I don't I never got a brand new guitar ever and I was like what the heck and I was just like what is, what world am I in? Is this like Black Mirror right now? Is like some, some <laughs> twist going to happen? Is this Twilight Zone? Cause like Adam D'Amico of Lorna Shore never gets guitars, never gets free gear. There was, I did an unboxing on Instagram. I was like, I've never done, I never got gear to like do this to. So I was like, it was so surreal. And it's like such an amazing thing for me to be like, wow, like I'm here, but like, I don't know. It's just such a weird, humbling experience. Cause like, I would never thought the day would ever happen. And I was like, I'll never get it. I'll just keep just buying guitars. And that's fine. I, I have no problem doing it. But then like someone's like, hey, like here, I can send you something. And I was like, yeah, right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so there's no fucking way. I'm to still going to
1: eBay and just buy a bunch of used ones or like I'm going to hit up Jimmy Bailey and he, he ha- he'll he just be selling a bunch of Ibanez. So I'll just buy one off of him and because he's always oh, yeah. having a bunch of different ones. Um, shout out to Jimmy for always making my guitar right um, and fixing my RGT. So. Anyways, he's a, so I was always like asking him every time he fixed my guitar. I'm like, oh, do you know like any Ibanez around, or what should I buy? Or mm-hmm. I would always check Reverb. And now, for some reason, I get guitarists, <laughs> 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 so I don't know what to do with them. Such a crazy thought process. It's a, it's honestly the craziest. Yeah,
0: and I love like that, that you and I share that same philosophy about like we stick to our guns like when it comes to like the yeah. brands we love. Like, I this is uh, I think my second Tama that like I've just like bought myself where I'm just like dude I. I I don't know if it'll ever happen, but I don't care because Tama is like the one company. Like other than like a, a specialty snare here or there, it's like Tama is like the the one company that I will play until you know, until the day I die. Where I'm just like, dude, I I don't want anything else. Like it there's a fit. It's the kit that I've wanted ever since I was a kid, and like I don't have any plans on like getting anything else unless it's another Tama kit.
1: I exa- I feel that same exact way because like I told myself I was like saving up money to buy. The guitar I have now, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh, cool!" After like, I don't have the money right now, but like after these shows, I probably will have enough money to buy it, and I'll just buy it, you know, before the studio. And then, literally, like a month later, I get like sent that thing. It's like it just ironic because like I want it anyway, mm-hmm. and I and I want to stand behind companies that I stand behind. Like, I don't want to just like be like a, a a puppet for something that just because someone's giving me for some free gear. Like, I want to like use the thing that I'm using, yeah. and I want to believe in the thing I'm using and. You know, I've gone on tour and I, and and there's so many people that play so many different instruments and I get to try them out I'm like oh this is a cool guitar but then like I'll go on stage and play mine I'm like oh yeah no this is why I love it you know yeah. like it just like this feels like home this feels right to me this like makes the most sense so like I was like yeah it just like kind of solidified because I would go on tour and everyone has all these different guitars and all these different pieces of gear and I'm just like yeah this is like this isn't it for me and it's not that it's bad but it's just like I want to just if I'm going to put on for a company I want to like Put my all into it, so like, yeah. I know I'm gonna play playing ibanez till the day I die. I know I'm probably to like still go on reverb and buy try to buy some like old '90s Prestige because like that's just what I like and Mm -hmm. and 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 I don't know. I I it's just crazy to me that like I still got a guitar in the mail and like I remember every time I get new pieces of gear, I'm like so scared to touch it. Like when I bought my Kemper. It sat in the box for probably about like two weeks because I was so scared to break it. So I was like, I'm not plugging anything in because I'm like terrified of like ruining this thing. Same thing happened with my Ibanez. Like I got it. And I remember like, I think Andrew was like, you play it yet? And I was like, no, I'm terrified. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't, it's just like a brand new guitar that I feel like I don't deserve. It sat in my guitar boat for like a couple of days. And I was like, yeah, no, I can't touch it right now. It's this is, too precious. It's, it's too, it is. It's like, I can't touch this thing, you know? And then and then and then I, then I finally got it like set up and I've been playing it more so now. But I was like, yeah, this is like terrifying to have a brand new guitar be sent to me and like, I have to play this. Not have to, but like, I want to play this, but like, I don't know what to do with it.
0: Yeah, and the the other thing about like, uh, like how we both love just like kind of sticking with our brand, it's like, we like I noticed that like a lot of people have the wrong idea about like endorsements and stuff like that. Like, obviously I, I really don't have any like thing to show for it. It's like, I've, I've done like little deals here and there, like when I was in the same shoes as like some people where, They're just like, I just want discounted gear. And, like, I don't care, like, what it is, like, if it looks cool or or it's, like, the name that everyone's playing right now. And there are those companies that kind of just, will hand endorsements out and stuff like that. And, like, you see that a lot. But it is rare to find, like, the musicians out there who, like, stick to, like, their their brand essentially because like you and i like you said like it feels like home like feeling like playing other kits it does feel very foreign to me where i'm like this feels different and even though there's a stick in between yeah yeah, me yeah and the kit so it's like it is cool like knowing that there are other musicians who are like yeah like this i play this because it is comfortable to me and it's like i don't feel that same way with anything else
1: yeah and that literally and another thing just happened to me recently because uh, i need to get new pickups and i i've been using bare knuckle pickups and i literally just bought myself a a new set and the guy's like wait why are you not an artist on our page and he's like i saw you just bought like a a pair of like seven string pickups and i was like oh yeah yeah, i I love them he's like wait can you send me a picture and like you using these pickups and i was like oh yeah yeah not a problem like and i just like thought about it and i was like i just off the strength just like bought it for myself because i was like i like these pickups i like this company i'm not like i didn't not using these pickups because like someone's like hey, use them. It's just more like, I want to, I like using these. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, why are you not an artist on our page? And I was like, oh yeah, sure. Like here, like, I'm totally, hey. he's like, you sent me like a picture and like a quote and like anything, anything, anything that, you know, about this. And I was like, oh yeah, totally not a problem. But I was like, I was buying it anyway. Like I, I paid full price for it. And he was like, this is like a this is like a crime that you're not even here i was like oh okay no it's all good like that's hilarious he's like,
0: like why aren't you you're like you tell me it, dude <laughs> i
1: was like i didn't think of it i was like yeah this is fine like because he was like because it was just like funny to like i like bought it and like literally got an email like the next day being like wait how did this fall through the cracks i'm like no it's all it's literally all good it's like all good whatsoever i have no problem paying like full price for for stuff like because i i support it anyway you know that's crazy
0: yeah <laughs> well dude I'm, I'm stoked for you man like fucking killing it and you know it's about goddamn time so i'm stoked for you on it um but basically we're, we're kind of going towards the end we cover a lot of amazing ground but one thing i'm always curious about is like uh like what are like top like for you if you can put it into like a top five like what are like either top five albums or top five bands that inspire you in the way
1: you write or make you view music the way you do when writing okay so top this is always a question that like i I'd always is always evolving but I guess the ones that are the most pivotal would be Behemoth, Evangelion Hell is yeah. my favorite Behemoth record. And it's like one of my favorite like metal records. Um, I think it was just like most of the music I was listening to was like at that point in time was way more like technical and like technically driven and everything else like that. And It was just like so uh, aggressive and energetic, but like that record just felt so like big and it made me appreciate like simplicity and like you can make stuff sound huge with like not a lot of stuff yeah and it it was just like so I don't know just like the whole vibe of that record was just so massive sounding and like when you work a job that you hate and you felt small in the world and you listen to a record that makes you feel large I was like that's something important about music is like because I think as I always say we listen to music for one of two reasons one to reinforce the state we were in or the other two alter the state we're in. So if you feel small in the world and you listen to a record that makes you feel huge, I'm like, that makes me want to keep going back to it. Especially oh, when, you're, yeah. when you're working a job that you didn't really like, you felt meaningless and you're like, I don't exist. And you, then this thing's massive sounding and You're like, okay. So I, I definitely am very inspired by that, by creating this like larger than life sound, a uh, l- larger than life, like massive feel. Um, necrophagus epitaph, definitely like my most influential, like death metal record. Um, just cause it's like a balance of like raw aggression, but like, melodic at the same time so yeah. it's just like you don't sacrifice just like energy and musicianship so it's like feels like there is a, a display of musicianship as well as like raw energy and like aggression and whatnot so like it just like was the first time i was like okay you don't have to you can have your cake and eat it too it doesn't it could be like very musical but it's also just being like raw because i think everything i was listening to was either one or the other so that just felt like for me a good blend and just like guitar wise it's just like phenomenal i think like anyone who really listens to like death metal like extensively like it's always like a record that everyone references because i just think it's just done so well yeah um
0: it's definitely a staple in the genre for oh sure. for a thousand
1: percent like i think i, I and all those records oh for sure, for sure for sure and then for me uh black dolly murder nocturnal um just because it was like it was the first record I ever listened to that was like, it didn't have breakdowns. And I was like, why are these songs stuck in my head? Mm-hmm. And just like seeing the songs as songs. And I'm like, this is like, it keeps getting me to go back and listen to because it it's so catchy. It's so digestible. It's so listenable. It's like very easy to listen to. So it's like, it's such an inspiring record for me to be like, okay, like make something that's like digestible and listenable, but it doesn't, it, it doesn't lose its like complexity, but is also, isn't like, to all over the place where you can't digest it so it was like a mm-hmm. balance of like interesting as well as digest, di- digestible similar to necrophages i was listening to bands that were either like complicated like bands like you know prog bands like you know between the berry to me but then i would also listen to bands that were like way more digestible like as I Lay dying and like august burns red yeah but like i felt like after a while like i would lose its charm whereas like nocturnal at that point in time was very much just like a blend of being like complicated and 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 complex and interesting as well as being like digestible so for me that's a big record um
0: that was actually like my first uh death metal record it's everyone's
1: like gateway record and it's like i always been inspired by like gateway bands because i'm just like what Mm -hmm. is the phenomenon about these bands that? Open up the door to all these other bands.
0: Yeah, and the funny thing about it, it was like a similar approach where you're like, there's no breakdowns and stuff. it was Like the the kid who used to always drive me home from high school, like my friend Zach in high school, he would always drive me home, and it was always either Suicide Silence, The Cleansing, something else like Filthy to my ears at the time, like that. And then it was uh, Black Dahlia, and like yeah. I was like, what album is this? This is really good. And so like I wouldn't even like know like the band or like the the, the name of the album or whatever, but I'd have the the hook of what a horrible night to have occurred or or nocturnal like those hooks like stuck in my head repeatedly and i think it's it stands the test
1: of time yeah it really does and it's a it's a it's a record that i i uh i draw a lot of inspiration from as far as maybe not so much like like literal inspiration but just like the essence of what it is Mm -hmm. and i i always reference back to it a lot of times um what other records uh faceless planetary duality um i just think that what i i mean i love the faceless regardless but i think that record for me just like push the boundary of what death metal can do because mm-hmm. it wasn't like it was a death metal record that wasn't a death metal record like at yeah. the same time it felt like it didn't have that same like itch because they're were, they were also doing a lot more like weirder things but i thought what i loved about it is that like how out of the box it was for like traditional death metal yeah and like it, it had a lot of progressive influences and like did a lot of things and even we think about like autotheism and like um and becoming a ghost where they like really like step out of the box with like doing weirder things i'm just like i just love the idea that like planetary duality or the just the faceless in general like uh don't lose that like that like energy or aggression or like chaos that it has and then I, w- while having all these like weirder niche like outside the box sort of things which is like again it's the idea of just abandoning rules like i don't yeah. think you could write planetary duality if you abide by like traditional like death metal rules you know that yeah. like again these traditional death metal bands have have done and like i think those albums are good or those bands are great but like it was just cool just be like i'm not really into death metal that much but like at that point in time and i was like this is like kind of sick because it has like it's just kind of weird and quirky because i was listening to prog bands uh like dream theater and like you know between the to me and, and all bands in that realm and i was like this is kind of like has essences of it but like it's it's still like not like kind of like i don't know sometimes prog bands just get really corny I agree. Yeah, and so, that's that's where I was at, like at that time in like late high school. Like even though I loved metal, I
0: was like, you know, focusing on progressive music like that's the kind of band I was in where you know, I was heavily into dream theater and, and other projects like that. But when I heard a death metal band, which that was not my genre. Right. I was like extremely turned off by like those kind of vocals at the time. Just like couldn't really deal with it. But then like there were those records that there was just that thing about them that like really transcended and was able to cater to somebody who was not interested in in death metal and like those are like such staple records like even still for me to this day
1: yeah i think that's just such a it was such a like cool quirky thing and like maybe like my adhd like is really showing but like how it was just all over the place i was like this is sick <laughs> yeah like it just goes from like these chaotic like like death metal like dissonant parts to then like a clean section with this like weird kind of guitar lead that sounds almost like you're being probed up by like a ufo and i'm like this just <laughs> took a change and there were like even like autotheism where it would be like this chaotic section to then like a sax solo section i'm like that's so bold yeah and like going against the rules that's why like i'm just like so inspired by like there are no rules and like i think that's something that i've always been interested in because like who's to say i can't have like death metal inspired parts with like heavy breakdowns with melodic like you know choruses like who's to say you can't like i think a, a lot of what we do is driven off of like the boldness of just like you can put whatever you want into the song like you can have it your own way and like why do i need to abide by like what other people are doing and mm-hmm. I, I i'm just very inspired by the essence of like what the faceless and planetary duality did for me because it really inspired me to be like you can just do anything like yeah. there's no rules now you can just do whatever you want you can have clean singing with a vocator effect and then go into like a, a blast beat section followed by like a clean guitar section it's like what why is that a thing and like why do i enjoy this right now when, when it's like literally abandoning all the rules
0: yeah, I think that's why my guitar player Chris loves BK so much because he lives by that philosophy. Yeah, just have it your own way when it comes to music. Oh, exactly.
1: Yeah, literally have <laughs> it your own way. <laughs> and then I think the last record is always a toss up. Um, but I think to kind of piggyback off of the Planetary Duality concept, the first album that really I loved like that was Veil Maya's Common Collapse because was a similar essence because i was listening to like death metal bands and i was listening to like metalcore bands yeah and like it, it also switched gears instantaneously like and i was like i remember it's like the song it's not safe to swim today like every part was a diff could be literally out of a different band's catalog and i was like the fact that they did it all in one song shows me that like that's a possibility you can do whatever you want yeah. it's like they would have like a super like melodic part followed by like a really like interesting like metal inspired riff to like a really like odd timed or like weird chug pattern i'm like this is like doesn't make any sense but it all works in the vein of the song yeah so like it just really indicated to me that you can again do whatever you want into a song and like you can take all of your influences and put them in in one song or one album like and why not so like that's definitely like a big inspiring record but like as far as like a record that really inspires me uh like musically (sighs) Ah. I'm gonna say, just because just to kind of make sense of of uh, Lorna Shore, uh, this is Exile Whitechapel. I think yeah. it's the best deathcore record of all time, in my opinion. Um, I think that when it came out, it was just one of a kind. It was just so modern and like mature sounding for like deathcore at that point in time. It was just like heavy. It was like still musical and interesting. It wasn't just like like gimmicky heavy. It was like still heavy and like it made sense. It was mature. I just think that it showed that you can be a mature deathcore band and still be musical and be interesting and still not lose your itch of being heavy. So for me, like, that's such a record I always pull from. because I'm like, this is a mature deathcore record.
0: Absolutely. It's like kind of a, I want to say a
1: trendsetter, but it's like... Oh, it definitely a thousand percent is in my opinion. Yeah.
0: I just figured maybe that was a poor choice of words, but yeah, it it paved the way for like what a lot of deathcore bands could be, where it's like a lot of people will probably see deathcore as like a niche genre, but it's like, then you have records like that and, you know, where be something to, to draw influence from where it's like no you can be like this yeah because
1: i felt like before that it was all like death course like kind of niche and like kind of like gimmicky like here's all these like movie sample quotes before a breakdown and like <laughs> yeah and like here's like all these like just atypical like slam inspired like breakdowns that like are not or like these kind of like kind of eh like guitarists but i was like this was just like done so well and like the production value was really high it just felt like a very mature like adult deathcore record which like we weren't hearing at that point in time so for me it was just like this is just like proof and evidence that you can make heavy music be interesting Mm -hmm. and still be like feel like adult-esque not like kind of like niche and like gimmicky i agree honestly
0: i think that is a fucking great note to end it on because i mean (laughs) it kind of ties up uh you know what deathcore could be but dude that, that this was awesome thank you for driving down here taking the time to be here it's great talking to you and getting to know you more personally and uh, you know,
1: how you view music. And- yeah, no, thank you for having me. I've always enjoyed talking about it. Um, I know I don't play drums. I know this is a six-stroke podcast, but <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I mean, I definitely like to connect with other musicians, especially if um, we wear similar hats and, 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 and approach things uh, similarly just because we play different instruments doesn't mean we can't uh, have uh, common grounds. But uh, yeah, no, I'm glad to do this. I'm glad that we go on tour. Maybe, maybe we're on tour when this is coming out or maybe this comes out before we're on tour either way I'm excited to go play some shows rip some gigs and get a hang out every day damn straight baby I mean, hell yeah hey yeah, dude thank you